1: and the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on all the cool and exciting projects happening in the Star Wars universe right now, like the Book of Boba Fett, The Mandalorian, a bunch of new video games and stuff that we're going to be getting. Um, As always, it's an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. We got tons of stuff to talk about today. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and uh, for the moment, I'm joined by one of my co-hosts, Tim. How's it going, Tim?
2: What's up, Kyle? So glad we decided to record tonight, Wednesday, January 26th, the premiere of Boba Fett, The Book of Boba Fett, Episode 5, because, man, there's a lot to talk about. So, um, definitely glad that we held off on, because I know we haven't recorded since the premiere and we wanted to talk about the episodes previous to this one, but glad we waited to tonight because it would have been real frustrating if we recorded an episode And then to get the episode we got tonight and have to wait a little bit to talk about it (laughs) would have been a long wait. So definitely looking forward to this
1: one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it might end up being a long one because we've got so many episodes to talk about. Um, And uh, like I said, it's just me and Tim for now. Paul, actually, as we're recording this, Paul is watching tonight's episode right now. Um, And so he's going to jump on with us when he's done. And so I think what we're going to do is we're going to just recap the news first and then kind of recap some of the previous episodes of Book of Boba Fett. Um, And then as soon as Paul jumps on, we'll kind of all give our immediate reactions to episode five, which is uh, the one that just dropped today as we're recording this. Um, And yeah, lots of exciting stuff to talk about on that one. Um, Like you said, I'm glad we recorded today. We were thinking about maybe recording like yesterday or the day before. Um, and I mean, part of me wishes that we had, or that we had recorded like last week or something, just to talk about all the Boba Fett stuff leading up to this. Cause this episode is like completely different and is, is kind of its own thing and almost deserves its own podcast episode. But, um, can't wait to just jump in and talk about all of this stuff. But before we get to Boba and Mando and Grogu and all that, uh, let's talk about some of the recent news that's dropped. Um, and we're going to start out with uh, video game news because there's been a lot of that over the last few days. Um, and first of all, actually just yesterday, uh, from when we we're recording this, there was a big announcement from uh, Star Wars and Electronic Arts. Um, and as we know, and we've talked about before, uh, you know, EA like got the the exclusive license to develop Star Wars games back in 2013, and that license expires next year. Um, And we've got some other Star Wars games coming from other studios like uh, Ubisoft and Quantic Dream and all that. But um, EA is still making Star Wars stuff and they uh, announced three new titles that they've got in development. And actually all of these are from Respawn, um, which is the studio under EA that made uh, Jedi Fallen Order. And they also do like Titanfall and Apex Legends. Um, But I was surprised to hear that just Respawn is working on three different Star Wars games right now. uh, One of which is a Star Wars Jedi sequel um which and this is kind of cool but you know they didn't give a title for the game but i think we had all kind of speculated that the game's not going to be called just jedi fallen order 2 because the the game was titled like star wars jedi colon fallen order and so um it sounds like this next game will be called like star wars jedi something else um but i would assume and uh i hope that it's still going to follow you know cal kestis and Marin and trilla and or not trilla trilla's dead um but Cal and Marin and Seer and Grease and BD1 and all those characters that we love from the first game, um, going off on some new adventure and and uh, you know, doing all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, so they've got that in the works from uh Stig Asmussen, who is the director of Jedi Fallen Order and his team. Um, and then they've also got a strategy game and a first person shooter in the works. Um, and I guess Respawn is, is going to be developing the first person shooter as well. And then the strategy game, uh, is going to be a collaboration between Respawn and, uh, this other studio called Bit Reactor. Um, and I guess Respawn is going to be producing that while Bit Reactor leads the development, which I'm not exactly sure what all that means in gaming terms. I mean, I think Bit Reactor is going to be doing sort of more of the legwork of like actual, like coding and development and stuff, but Respawn is going to be overseeing that title as well. Um, so they're going to be busy over the next few years, but uh, it's exciting to finally have multiple Star Wars games announced and in the works. I mean, it's ironic. I've heard, you know, a lot of people talking about like, Oh man, all it took for EA to finally start making uh, multiple Star Wars games was for their license <laughs> to be expiring. And it's like almost like now they have to, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're feeling that pressure. Like, you know, oh, we, we don't want to lose out to everybody else. Like now there's going to be competition for Star Wars games. So now they're, they're getting themselves in gear. Um, so it would be nice if this was the case, you know, back in like 2015 that we had three Star Wars games to look forward to, but nonetheless, I'm looking forward to being able to play all these when they finally come out.
2: Yeah, saying this is a cool announcement to get. I mean, like you said, we were expecting at some point in the near future to get the official announcements for the next, uh, Jedi Fallen Order game. And we probably, that'll probably be the first one down the pike, I would imagine. Um, so that was just cool in itself, but the, to get two more games announced, Um, was just the icing on the cake and for me especially getting an announcement that we're getting a new star wars first person shooter that has me really excited because it's been a good long while since we just had a truly dedicated star wars first person shooter game i know we had a battlefront 2 with the single player campaign there but you could always go to third person if you wanted to about Uh, so i don't really count that as like a true blue first person shooter so I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but is Republic Commando really the last true first-person shooter Star Wars game that we've gotten? Because yeah,
1: yeah, I the only imagine. one that was the only one that was fully first-person. Um, yeah, yeah, like you said, if you don't count the Battlefront games, then yeah, last one was Republic Commando, and really, I mean, I think Republic Commando has been the only one. I mean, I guess you could count the Jedi Knight games as well. Well, Dark Forces, I think,
2: was the the first really big one. Right,
1: right. Yeah, Dark Forces, which then kind of transitioned into the Jedi Knight series, where, like, all the, you know, whenever you have a blaster, it's in first person, but then there's also third-person action with the lightsaber. But, yeah, yeah, and then there's there's Republic Commando and then um, Battlefront. That's pretty much it. And we don't know if this is going to be, like, a multiplayer FPS. You know, maybe... um, I don't know maybe something similar to battlefront or even more similar to maybe like call of duty or battlefield or something but like uh respawn's kind of take on that um well it definitely something. sounds
2: like there's going to be a single player campaign that'll be the focus because i believe the game director said in the statement that this is a star wars stories he's been wanting to tell for a while so the fact oh, that okay. it's kind of a story base is kind of like his main appeal to it makes me think that it, hopefully the focus is going to be single player but I, I love it, too. If the focus was single-player campaign. We get a great, lengthy single-player uh, story in that game, but also a really good multiplayer component with it as well. I mean, that would just be so mm-hmm. awesome to get for Star Wars. I mean, because the, gra- the way graphics are now with uh, these first-person shooters, they're just amazing. And like I said, being so long since we really had a dedicated Star Wars first-person shooter just really gets me excited for the potential that could be with this game, both from... Uh, a story and narrative uh, standpoint from a first person shooter type game and with some cool b- cool multiplayer morphs because I know I've been really wanting to have like some good Star Wars co-op first person shooter type uh, gameplay styles and in, uh, in Star Wars that would be so much fun whenever I play like I just started playing Halo Infinite right now and I'm just like barely getting into it but um, I pretty much, I think I started it the day before the, this announcement came, so it was almost perfect timing. It just got me excited as I'm playing Halo, infinite thinking, man, this game looks great. Just imagine getting something like this with Star Wars, and it's it'll be really cool. And dare I dream, as <laughs> we were talking about Republic Commando being the last true blue first-person shooter Star Wars game, just I cannot help but imagine and want this to be a Republic Commando sequel. <laughs> what if they decided to go that route where... They just do continue, not necessarily continuation. I mean, it'll be great if it's Delta Squad again. That would be awesome. But even if it's like in that same mode or or mold of that game was, and just have it be like a really full like instead of the three AI computer control players, you get a four player co op uh, story based Star Wars experience with the Republic Commandos or a, a different type of trooper squad. Um, again, with me loving clones, you know that's what I'm rooting for the most. That would be set mm-hmm. in Clone Wars era. With Republic Commandos or a different squad of clone troopers, um, just something like that—that that would just be really cool. So, yeah, that was Heck, the big. I mean, oh, sorry, well, God. they
1: could—they could even do like a Republic Commando almost reboot slash sequel, like all in one. Because if I remember right, I mean, the campaign for that game is not super long. It's maybe not really, like yeah, eight eight to ten hours or something like that. It's really they like could... three maps or or missions that you really don't yeah yeah there's like three locations there's like geonosis and then there's like this derelict cruiser and then um the final the final mission on Kashyyyk. um so it's like if you stretch that out to like a 15 to 20 like 15 to 20 hour story um you could have like the first half of the game just be a republic commando remake with like, updated graphics, uh, updated, you know, gameplay and, and combat controls and all that kind of stuff. And like you said, make it so that you could play it four-player co-op um, and not just all AI controlled. I mean, it is pretty cool that, like, in the single player, you get to, like, control your different squad mates and kind of, you know, order them around. And, yeah, like, you're you're, you're playing single player, but you're utilizing your squad mates, um, you know, as, as sort of as additional weapons almost. Um, but it would be really cool to at least have the option to play that in co-op as well. Um, so, you know, kind of just like redo it and and modernize it and have that be like a remake and just have that be the first half of the game and then just continue the story on from there from like when Sev gets captured on Kashyyyk and then they could go off and rescue him and then it could lead right into, I don't know, maybe a mission that ties into Revenge of the Sith or something like that. Um, and even if they wanted to, they could keep going from there and go into the, the Imperial era. Um. And you're right. I, I went back and checked that article again in that, um, the gameplay or the, the director for that game, um, said it's a story he's been wanting to tell for a long time. And also I had heard some people saying that he, this guy, let me double check his name. Um, it's, uh, Hirschman. It's his last name. I'm trying to find his first name. Um, uh peter hirschman um who was apparently the game director on the original battlefront games and so if he's been you know working on star wars games since back in that time period um because you know the original battlefront 2 came out the same year as republic commando i mean maybe that is something that he's been wanting to do for a long time so that's certainly one possibility um and you know like i said i mean there's there's tons of different like multiplayer type fps games that they could sort of emulate but um, for it to be another, you know, sort of core, like either single player or co-op focused, like really story centric game, I think would be really cool. Cause we haven't had one of those in a while. Um, and even like with the battlefront games, like, or at least with battlefront two, we had a single player campaign, but it would have been cool to have that maybe have a, a co-op component. Um, so to have that kind of be the focus and then I'm, I'm sure it'll still have a multiplayer mode. Cause every, you know, almost every game, especially any time type of like, um, you know, first person shooter type game. Pretty much always has some multiplayer component nowadays but to have a good balance of both of those um but also to have a, a strong story campaign to it would be pretty cool um and whether that's you know a republic commando remake or sequel or something in the spirit of that or something completely different who knows but i'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that yeah
2: i mean that was the one that stood out to me during the most during this announcement just get the fact that we're going to get a new star wars first person shooter this has me really excited can't say the same for the strategy game because I've never been a fan of RTS games or just strategy games in general. I never really played any of the Star Wars ones, like Star Wars Rebellion, and I believe, uh, I can't remember the name of the one, but that's what the Empire, can, can I can't remember the it's name. It's
1: Empire at War? Yeah, I think that was it, yeah. Yeah, that was the the PC one that came out like most recently um and i played that for a little bit like i i like strategy games i never really get super deep into them um i usually just play them on easy mode because for me it's just fun to like build up a big army and then just like watch them you know wipe out uh enemy bases and stuff and like once you get, you know, if it gets too complicated and like you're having to manage stuff all over the battlefield and you're getting attacked and, you know, there's like a lot of pressure and a lot of stuff to manage. I don't enjoy it quite as much, but I like building up a big army and then just watching them, you know, wipe out the enemy. Um, So I'm sure whatever that ends up being, I'll probably at least give it a try. Um, Who knows if I'll get super into it, but um, it'll be fun to just have that added variety because again, especially with you know, some of the other Star Wars games that we know are coming. I mean, we've got some other story-based games. We've got an open-world game. Um, you know, it's just going to be cool to have a whole variety of of different genres and stories and stuff to choose from.
2: Yeah, the only one missing, I've been banging the drum for this type of game. is a new Star Wars fighting game. We got to get a new one at
1: some point. Let's yeah. See. Hey, you know what? I'm with you on that one. Um, I never played Masters of the Terrorist Kasi, but ever since I played Soul Calibur <laughs> oh, you're better 4, off. which... <laughs> <laughs> well yeah um but soul Calibur 4 that came out back in like 2008 right around the same time as the force unleashed and so kind of to like tie into that they had yoda and darth vader and star killer all as playable characters in that game and that was a lot of fun and i've yeah. always been like man if they just had you know this style of fighting game but with all star wars characters um I'd be all for that. I mean, I used to go in, like, in the character creator and make as many custom Star Wars characters as I could, but you couldn't <laughs> give them lightsabers. So I had, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Malak and, and Princess Leia and all these people in, uh, you know, as close to, like, Star Wars costumes as I could make in the Soul Calibur character creator, but then they're just fighting each other with swords and stuff. So, um, yeah, it would be fun to do something like that. And then the thing I still want is a new pod racing game. Um, yeah, that'd be but great. Who knows, if, who, know, who knows if we'll ever get that? But yeah, you know, I mean, now that we're finally getting all these different studios and all these different styles of games and stuff, maybe we'll eventually get something like that.
2: You know, I'm pretty sure I said this, what, nine years ago when the EA announcement came where they got the exclusive license for Star Wars. How I know EA owned or had the license or did the games Burnout, which I love that mm-hmm. series. That's like one of the only racing games I play because I'm not really a big racing guy. But the, those developers doing burnout doing a pod racing game that just sounded like a match made in heaven and we never got that but that is like those two genres are the ones still missing
1: in this uh, era of star wars video game which would be nice to have at some point yeah i mean who knows maybe it'll be a little bit of renewed interest in that after uh today's episode of boba fett so you never know <laughs> we'll see we'll see they could be testing the waters um But yeah, then speaking of, you know, different styles of games and stuff, uh, we also have Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, which finally has a confirmed release date and not just for now (laughs) a a window or month or whatever that keeps getting pushed back. Um, But this was also this actually was released about a week ago that uh, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga will finally be released on April 5th of this year. Um, they released a new gameplay overview video to go along with it. It's about six minutes uh, showing off a bunch of new footage and a lot of different aspects of the gameplay. And it looks a lot of fun. Definitely looks like the most visually impressive Lego game and just oh, yeah. like the, the biggest with the most amount of characters and worlds and and, you know, just movie levels that you can play through, but also just open world locations that you can explore. I mean, to be honest, for me, as someone who... I don't know if I could quite say I grew up on Lego Star Wars. I mean, the first one came out when I was in high school. Um, but, you know, those were, you know, the first Lego games that I played. And I've, I've been a fan of those for a long time. But, um, you know, over time, like, they keep getting bigger and, and, like, adding more stuff. And as a fan of those original games, I mean, looking at this, it almost seemed a little bit overwhelming. Just, like, the amount of new, like, options and, and unlockables <laughs> and gameplay styles and stuff. I was like, man, this is not... Uh, you know, your dad's Lego Star Wars, but um, I'm excited to try it out. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. Who knows? I might not play it to the level of like, you know, getting 100% completion on everything because it just looks huge. But I'll definitely at least play through, you know, the stories of all the movies and try to unlock all my favorite characters and stuff. And um, We get to talk about this before Paul jumps on and it's like, we're Lego Star Wars. I don't care about that. <laughs> um, but I know uh, you and I are probably both looking forward to to finally getting to play this when it comes out.
2: Yeah, like you said, it looks great. The visuals on it, man, it just looks fantastic. Or Lego stylized or not, <laughs> just the environments look really impressive. And kind of like what you're saying, I'm glad I've kind of took a break. And it's been a while since I've really fully played a Lego game. Um, because when they were first coming out back in like the mid 2000s, the early like teens where I played all the Lego Star Wars games, I played the Indiana Jones games, the DC games, um, and then I always got 100% on everything because it was just so much fun. And kind of what you were saying with this one, it just like it's taking that to a whole nother level to where who knows how long it's going to take you to 100% the game. But um, if it's as fun as it looks, um, it's probably something I'd want to do. <laughs> and I won't feel like I'm so burnt out on doing that for every Lego game since it's been so long since I've actually played a Lego game. But this does look like the one to. Uh, get back into because it looks really really impressive and just not just the graphics but i also think too the new gameplay tweaks they added to it look a lot of fun just in the combat mm-hmm. where you could do like for the shooter, you could just go into cover like a third person shooter game would which looks a- really cool to do in that and some other mechanics they had it just i mean i don't want to knock the lego games in the lego style because they th- we just said this one looks very impressive but it kind of almost made me think man could you imagine if we got a full-blown like star wars saga skywalker saga game but it was just in a uh, non-lego <laughs> just normal mm-hmm. uh, graphics engine it'd be pretty impressive with the gameplay style they were showing in this demo here so yeah it looks really good and we finally have a date in april hopefully it sticks this time because it looks like some i'm definitely going to want to spend a lot of time with once it comes out so yeah it was cool to finally get that date but i think it was even better that they showcase of what new features are going to be on display for this new Lego game because it looks really, really cool. And you can kind of see why it did get pushed back because we're seeing stuff that's never been done before in Lego games. And you can tell they really wanted to make this one be the ultimate Lego slash Star Wars gaming experience you're going to get.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you're right. I mean, all these new combat options and stuff look like a lot of fun. They actually started that whole like third person based like cover shooter mechanic kind of thing with uh, the Lego Force Awakens game um okay yeah because i only played the demo of that one i don't remember oh okay yeah they they kind of implemented some of that in there but this looks definitely like they're pushing that even further and even with the um the lightsaber combat and stuff you know it looks like you can do like you know combo moves and it's it's almost just like a straight up like third person action game um So yeah, it's definitely evolved a lot. I remember uh, seeing like an interview with one of the developers back when Lego Force Awakens came out and they talked about how, you know, these games are kind of first and foremost made for kids, you know, just kind of with like the the fun cartoony Lego style and everything. And they're like back when Lego Star Wars first came out, like games for kids were made to be like more simple and like easily approachable and stuff like that. And nowadays, you know, most kids are into video gaming more than their parents and, you know, kids are playing all these complex games and, you know, they're into like Fortnite and stuff like that, where, you know, it's still kind of like fun and cartoony, but it's like a straight up, you know, competitive third person, uh, you know, like multiplayer online shooter. And so, um, they're like, Oh, we don't have to like simplify it as much. Um, you know, it can be kind of more of like a straightforward, like action gaming experience, but still with these like fun Lego trappings. So, um, now it's going to be a lot of fun to, you know, kind of get to play through all those different play styles, the like the flying and the ship combat looks like a lot of fun, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, can't wait to check that out when it uh, finally comes out April 5th. Um, and then last piece of news we've got, uh, we actually have a, another casting announcement for the Asoga show. And this is according to uh, Hollywood Reporter that Mary Elizabeth Winstead has been cast in that show alongside Rosario Dawson and Hayden Christensen and everybody else that we uh, know is going to be in that. Um, and you probably, or at least I know uh, her from uh, like Scott Pilgrim, uh, Birds of Prey. She's been in a bunch of stuff, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, so she's been in some in some pretty good movies before that uh, I liked her in. So I'm excited to see what she can do in Star Wars. I have no idea what role she's going to be playing. There's no, um, you know, not really any rumors or information about that. Um, for all we know, you know, could be a new character, could be a, a character we've seen before. Um, but it sounds like they're, uh, you know, they're rounding out a pretty impressive cast for this series. Um, and, you know, the fact that she's going to be in it along with, you know, we got Hayden Christensen and we're going to have like Ezra and Thrawn and Sabine and, and all these characters um, alongside Ahsoka. I, I'm getting more and more excited for this show. I think as of right now, Kenobi is still the one that I'm most excited for just because we know that's coming this year. And we're going to get Ewan and Hayden again and everything. But um, when we finally get to see that Ahsoka, Ahsoka show, that's also going to be one that will definitely be not to be missed.
2: Yeah, without question. I mean, every time we get some new details or casting announcement for the Ahsoka series, it's just like, man, what is this series going to get here? And we know it's going to probably be 2023. But everything yeah. about it is just sounding so, so good. Just the characters are bringing in, the actors are bringing in. Uh, it just looks like it's going to be, all signs of points is a real special star wars event series i believe was the term wasn't it (laughs) because it wasn't limited series it was bill was like an event series i think so maybe
1: yeah Yeah, i don't don't remember but i'm sure there's going to be some big stuff going down in that yeah i just can't wait to see it all i just think it's going to
2: be something really really great and like special for not only just star wars fans in general but for those who've been watching ahsoka since 2008 and the clone wars movies this is like going to be the culmination of all that so mm-hmm. i can't wait like they're just bringing in great actors like i said uh mary elizabeth Winstead. i've seen her in birds of prey and scott program i haven't seen 10 cloverfield lane yet i heard that movie's great and she's great in it too though so yeah i mean honestly out of
1: those three movies we just mentioned that might be probably my favorite performance of hers but she's great in all three of those
2: Yeah, so definitely glad that she's coming to the Star Wars universe now, and especially in the Ahsoka series, which is already, like I said, sounding really, really great. So yeah, definitely some cool news to get. And uh, just glad we are continuing to hear news news about that series, where just the more you hear about it, the more it becomes in reality that it's going to start production soon, and then filming, and then first looks trailers and all that stuff up until the premiere so this is like the first step to getting all that great stuff uh, over the course of this year and into next year so it's always yeah. great to hear news about upcoming shows that aren't quite so close but it's going to be here sooner than you think
1: yeah it's funny because also uh she and you and mcgregor are together i don't know if that's they're right like yeah married or just dating but like they just had a baby together like maybe a year ago or something like that so um maybe a whole star wars family now
2: i know i wonder if you and uh kind of pull some strings or <laughs> like get, get got her
1: the inside yeah the i mean you know he certainly could have but also I, maybe she's a big star wars fan and wanted to be in it but i mean she's also a great actress in her own right and so it also wouldn't surprise me if they were just like you know maybe somebody wanted her for this particular role Definitely. um but yeah who knows um but yeah it'll be fun to see the two of them together like at star wars premieres and stuff and it'll be like oh they're both in this um but yeah so that was a cool uh bit of casting and uh casting news to get um and just one more see one more reason to look forward to that series when uh it finally comes out yeah probably in 2023 because i think that show goes into production this year yeah um and hopefully we'll get some more uh news and stuff um you know throughout the year as they actually start filming i don't know if maybe they'll have like a panel for that at celebration where they just like announce the full cast um Mm -hmm. and maybe talk a little bit about what they're going to do with that show i actually wouldn't be surprised because they'll probably be going into production right around the time of celebration um if
2: anything we'll probably get like the obi-wan scissor real type deal cast talking some concept art revealed for it so that's, probably, that's the yeah. most I'm going to expect for anything at Celebration this year for solo. Oh, yeah.
1: No, I'm not expecting a, a trailer. Like, I a, in fact, I wouldn't even necessarily expect a sizzle reel, but we definitely might get something like that. But I would just expect maybe them, you know, talking about it, maybe having some of the cast on stage or at least, like, officially announcing the full cast. Kind of like they did for the Obi-Wan series when they just, like, you know, revealed on Star StarWars.com, like, they had that grid of pictures of all the actors that were in it. Um so, something like that, maybe just like some official casting and a synopsis or something, and maybe a sizzle reel, who knows? Um, but yeah, this celebration is going to be a good one with all the Star Wars, you know, shows that we've got coming up. We should get a lot of cool information and teases about a lot of different stuff. Um, but without further ado, let's get into talking about the current show, um, and talk some Book of Boba Fett, shall we? Oh, yes, yeah, so um obviously we're not going to necessarily go through every episode in detail um because we'd be here all night but while we wait for paul to get here um and talk about today's episode uh let's kind of just go through and maybe you know give some thoughts some some highlights favorite moments and stuff from each episode so far so last time we recorded we just talked about the premiere um so then uh episode two uh which was the tribes of i believe that one was called the tribes of tatooine right yeah mm-hmm. um so what uh what were kind of just your your overall thoughts and maybe favorite moments from that episode yeah i absolutely loved that episode and
2: it was great because how well, i said the premiere episode was exactly what i was hoping for to get in a first episode about boba fett start seeing him come out of the sarlacc pit what he went through right after. I mean, I ate all that stuff up. It was great. This next episode was stuff I was not expecting to see in a Boba Fett TV series. And I loved every minute of it. It was just so great. I mean, I'm just so glad we're getting the story of it just wasn't him coming out of the Sarlacc pit and he just immediately gets his armor back and he just goes out bounty hunting again. Something like so simple like that. I'm just glad he's just going on just a really great arc here and just him being taken in by the Tuscan Raiders, I just think is a brilliant move. Uh, by the creative team—John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Robert Rodriguez—I mean, we know John Favreau is l- labeled as the writer and creator of this series. So, right now, I'm going to give most of the credit to him to coming up with this idea for this to be Boba Fett's journey after coming out of the Starlak Pit. And I just love how this dynamic Boba Fett has with the Tuskins and the different members of this Tuscan tribe. The, the child that we saw in the first episode. And the, the warrior Tuscan, who we saw in the first episode, who was just awesome in this one. Uh, I think when the episode first premiered, I said, like, um, I have a new, like, there was a new cool character in the book of Boba Fett already in the second episode. And you're saying never thought you'd have a favorite Tuscan character, but mm-hmm. the warrior here sure is uh, filling that bill. So, uh, yeah, she was great. And then just getting, like I said, him joining. A family here for the first time and how this is really going to be a important step and part of his life and then moving forward into the development of the present time period so i just loved all that stuff but then we get an action sequence that was i mean i never would have dreamed dreamed in a million years of getting an action sequence like this in the boba fett tv series and boba fett would be a part of it but he wouldn't be in his armor and for me to love it as much as I did, <laughs> it would just—you yeah. were describing that to me. I'm not sure how to
1: believe that, but this not only not up. in his armor, but like basically in his pajamas, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's leading an army of Tuscans, hijacking a train in a dirty, you know, burnt onesie. Yeah, <laughs> and it was still so awesome. It was, yeah, that's
2: what I love about it. it. Still felt like we're seeing Boba Fett in action. It was just really cool, and then. And you can make the obvious comparison to the train sequence in Solo because I love that action sequence too, and love how we got like a train heist um, action sequence in Star Wars, and this one was great too, but in a different way. It was staged differently than Solo. Obviously, the environment was different, the point of attack um, was different. So it was just, I just love how different it was, but yet I'm still doing that sequence with a train. Uh, g- going so fast. And then you had to use speeder bikes to catch up to it with Tusken Raiders on speeder bikes, no less. It was just great. So you told all that in, and then you get a mystical journey that Boba takes at the very end and the visuals in the sequence. Oh my goodness. It was great. <laughs> Camino <laughs> Boba Fett in and out of his armor, walking through the desert. It was just really cool. It was on a trip. And then you cap it off with a great sequence of Boba officially joining the tribe of the Tuscans, getting to build, um, his own gaffy stick and having a ceremony it was like the tusk almost like the tuscans way of building how jedis would build their lightsabers how it was such a mm-hmm. monumental occasion and how I and mean, it was a ritual that most of them all had to take part in it was to see boba go through that it was just great so i absolutely loved this episode again not something i would expect going into a boba fett series but that's part of why i love it so much just um, getting the unexpected and having it deliver for you so much is, is just so great. So, yeah, this episode was just uh, everything I, I could have hoped for, or actually not hoped for, but everything that I couldn't love more than getting for new Star Wars content.
1: Yeah. And on top of that, like we see Huts again. We see. Uh, I didn't Black even mention Kersantin. that, right? <laughs> yeah. Black Chrysanthemum <Black> <laughs> making his live action debut. Um, and it's funny because me, you know, Mister doesn't read Star Wars comics. I actually know who that is because um, <laughs> it's funny. I I had told my wife about like what little I knew about Doctor Afra. I just thought that would be a character that she might you know find interesting because she loves like archaeology and stuff. Um, and Afra's you know kind of like this this rogue archaeologist um, who goes off on adventures like finding artifacts and stuff like that. Um, and she's also kind of like a wild card, you know, morally gray, just you know, kind of fun out there character. Um, and, and she was like, Oh, I think I'd actually, you know, like to read that. And my wife's not really into comics or anything, but, uh, for Christmas, I got her the first volume of the Afro comics. And, uh, so she's been reading those and really enjoying them. But I sat down, like, I think it was on Christmas when I got it for her, I kind of just slipped through and I read like the first issue of it. Um, And so I'm like, I've at least read enough that, like, I know who Chris Anton is. And so when I saw him show up, I was like, hey, I know that guy. (laughs) Um, And I've loved seeing him so far. I mean, if you know me, you know, I I love Wookiees. I share a kindred spirit with Wookiees. (laughs) Um, And so getting to see another Wookiee in the spotlight besides just Chewbacca and seeing a little bit of a different side of one who's, you know, kind of more mean and tough and morally gray um, has been a lot of fun to see him so far in the series. So that was really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I said, you know, like, I liked the first episode, it didn't totally blow me away. Um, there was a lot that I loved in there. But like the pacing felt a little slow to me. And I kind of wished that it had spent more time in the present day and not quite so much in the flashbacks, because I was more invested in like, what Boba was doing in uh, Masa Espa and taking over Jabba's territory and sort of what the main thrust of like his, his current story was going to be. And I felt the complete opposite with the second episode like that episode was also you know it was like 70 percent flashbacks or something and i didn't mind at all i was loving every minute of it and uh seeing him become immersed in that culture of the tuscans seeing them take him in um seeing him steal the speeder bikes and then teaching him teaching the tuscans to ride the speeder bikes i mean it was just one of those cool star wars moments that like you said yeah. you're just sitting there watching thinking like man i never in a million years thought i would see this see you know boba fett with a squad of sand people on speeder bikes, you know, riding through the dune sea and, you know, just kind of this kind of comedic sequence of them learning to ride them for the first time where you first have the one that like takes off backwards. And then they're all trying to learn how to like jump between the yeah. bikes and they're all <laughs> falling so off crazy. and tumbling in the sand and stuff like that. Um, But then, you know, they finally get proficient enough at it that they go and read this train and we get to see the pikes again um, who we've seen in, you know, clone wars and solo and uh, you know, the, the, boba and the tuscans go and take over this train and i mean that was just such a cool action sequence i mean the visuals the the speed and um just like sort of m- momentum and just the kinetic energy of all of it was just so like i was on the edge of my seat the entire time um and i would say it's for me it was even better than the uh the solo sequence and i i mean that solo sequence was pretty cool and pretty fun but again, just the the high speed and the intensity of this, them being like, you know, fighting up on top of the train and like having to dodge the big engine blasts that are like blowing yeah. them off. And then, you know, you get the, uh, that one female warrior Tuscan that comes in, uh, you know, on like basically Kamikaze's like crashes her bike into it to disconnect half of the train. And she like leaps and grabs onto it and then climbs in through the window and you just see pikes start flying out and <laughs> she's, you know, going through kicking, butt. it was just, so much fun to see it yeah like i said i was like i never in a million years thought i would have a favorite tuscan Raider, but she was freaking awesome yeah um
2: what's great about that sequence too is you know you know what's at stake there i think that's what adds to your enjoyment of it you already saw that train just mow down a bunch of tuscans from that tribe and yeah. when you see the tuscans and boba lead them to attack it's like they're really rooting for them in that sequence just to take out all those pikes and just to see them succeed and that just i think adds to the enjoyment of um what makes that action sequence great, not only just from like a stunt or um, action standpoint, but just from a narrative standpoint too. It just adds so much to why I love it so much seeing Boba Fett lead this group of Tuscans to pretty much uh, fight for their home, fight for themselves and to stop these crime syndicate from killing them. And it was just great to see him take action and succeed in what they were doing.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, like you said, for it to all culminate with him getting to, uh, you know, craft his own gaffy stick and officially join the tribe he gets the robes he gets the you know the little lizard up the nose that leads him on <laughs> kind of the spiritual journey to um you know get the the branch that he makes his gaffy stick from and then um at the end when they're all you know doing the dance around the campfire that was so cool i mean that was one of those things that again something you would never expect to see in star wars and then just you know just kind of leaves you breathless and on the edge of your seat with just like how just how cool it is, how sort of well executed it is. And I mean, the way that the music was done and just sort of the ferocity yep. of the dancing and everything. And I mean, again, knowing uh, Tim Morrison and just his Maori culture and sort of the, the personal touch that he brings to that. there's um, just, you know, I mean, it, it gave me chills. It was one of those. I don't know if you've ever had like a, a scene in a movie that's just, you know, so... Intense and kind of gets you so wrapped up in it that it like it leaves you breathless and you don't even realize till after the fact. Like mm-hmm. when the scene ends and it like cuts to black and you find that you're like breathing heavily, and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like I wasn't even breathing that whole scene. That was what that did for me. Um, oh, awesome. <laughs> the first time I watched it, so it was just a, a really cool way to end the episode. Um, and again, something where like you know, I thought I wanted to see more of Boba in the present day and more of him in the armor, and this episode gave us the complete opposite, and I loved every minute of.
2: Yeah, so I thought episode was over. I was like, okay, if this, the whole Boba Fett series is just going to be about his past and how he came out of the Starlight Pit and joining with these Tuskins. I mean, sign me up. If this is what more episodes would be like with this type of story, I wouldn't mind a whole series like that. That's how much I loved this episode. About the same time, I knew um, the series and the whole flashback sequence couldn't just be this. So uh, definitely appreciate of that. We got a whole episode of dedicated to Boba Fett. And his
1: life with this tribe of Tuscans. It was just so beautifully done. I just love it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well then we go on to the third episode, um, where unfortunately we see that uh you know the whole that whole story with Boba and the Tuscans was short-lived because then the only flashback sequence in this episode that we get was Boba going into Masa Isley to meet with the Pike leader to try to negotiate um you know, them basically paying tribute to the Tuskens in order to move through the Dune Sea and, and negotiate peace with them so that they wouldn't be attacking them. Um, and he's like, hey, yeah, sure, whatever, but like we're already paying protection to the the Kintan Striders and so you got to go talk to them. Um, and Boba goes back to the Tuscans and finds that they've all been killed by the Biker Gang while he was away. And uh, I know people had a lot of mixed reactions to that and some people were really, you know, angry or upset that after sort of building them up so much and and really fleshing out this culture of the Tuscans that they then were kind of just like cast aside. Um, And I felt like, you know, I mean, I was kind of okay with it in the sense that, like, you know, I I can see why it was maybe necessary to move Boba's story forward. I mean, you also could have maybe done it a different way than just killing them all off. But I would have at least liked to see more of a resolution in that episode. Um, I assumed that there would be kind of more to that story and that, you know, Boba would then go off to like find who did it um, or, you know, kind of have some some resolution to that conflict. But in that episode, we didn't get any. It was just, you know, it was like after after the last episode of having, you know, 30 minutes of of story of him with the Tuskens in this next episode, it was just a two minute scene where they get killed off and that was it. Um so I would have at least liked to maybe kind of explore that a little bit more, have a little bit more follow-up. Um, but that one did give us a lot more story in the present day. Uh, you know, as soon as Bulba gets out of the Bacta Tank from that dream, then Chrysantin comes to kill him. Um, and he gets his uh his mod biker squad that he, you know, hired off the streets, um, comes in and they all fight Chrysantin and then Fennec traps him down in the Rancor pit. Um, and that was, I mean, that was a pretty cool fight scene, like, you know, getting to see Anton in action after uh, just seeing him kind of standing there threateningly in the first episode. But I was like, okay, hopefully that's not the last we see of him, which obviously it wasn't. Um, but a good little, at least like introduction to sort of how, uh, you know, threatening and menacing he can be. Um, but also, like I so, said, I mean, it, it was kind of a big addition of these new, uh, new characters. And this was another kind of, I don't know, touchy subject for some people like a lot of people have a lot of varying different opinions on this biker squad um for me i actually really like the characters themselves with their like their cybernetic enhancements and stuff um and just kind of like this you know street gang youth kind of vibe that they got going on like i like their outfits i like their their attitudes um know again just kind of that like rebellious youth type that you know they're out there causing trouble but also like they're you know they're being oppressed and they're out there causing trouble for people that are causing trouble themselves you know they're this guy's like oh they're stealing my water and they're like well yeah because you charge like a month's wages for a week's worth of water and you know they can't get jobs and so boba hires them um rather than just like you know killing them or imprisoning them or something like that so it was cool to see him you know, have the sensibility to be like, "Hey, I can use these kids. Like, they've got skills, they've got attitude." Um, so I like that he's got his little crew now. Obviously, he's going to need more, you know, more muscle um, to to fight the pikes and everything, as we'll talk about in the next episode. But um, I like the characters themselves. I even like the designs of their speeder bikes, which again, some people have criticized, and they're like, "Oh, they look too weird and outlandish and kind of stick out like a sore thumb." But um, I think they kind of stick out like a sore thumb in the right way, in a way that still kind of feels Star Wars. I mean, we've seen some things like that that feel a little bit weird and out of place. And it just kind of makes sense that in a galaxy like this, like not everything's going to look the same. And, um, you know, for these type of characters that are, you know, maybe a bit eccentric and kind of have their own style and have their, their mods and everything, it would make sense for them to kind of have some flashy standout speeder bikes that are not really like stuff we've seen before um so i'm fine with the design of it you know the the design of the bikes the design of the characters i'm good with all that the speeder bike chase at the end <laughs> oh boy not so much um i mean gosh it felt like they took the the speeder chase on Corellia from the opening of solo and just slowed it down by putting <laughs> Put it in slow motion right? yeah yeah that's what it felt like um and also i don't because robert rodriguez directed this episode And I don't know if this is, like, a stylistic thing that he does, but I don't know if you noticed, like, there were definitely a few times where, like, just with certain shots, like, the frame rate was a little bit weird. Like, it almost looked like they filmed it really slow and then, like, Mm. sped it up a little bit or something like that. And, you know, like, it it reminded me of other stuff that he's done, like Spy Kids, which, you know, is intentionally kind of, like, goofy and cheesy and has, like, you know, kind of bad special effects, but, like, it's meant for kids. And it's, like, almost like – it's, like, is this – is this inten- like is this unintentionally bad or was this intentionally done just to kind of make it kind of like fun and quirky and whatever but it just like it didn't quite land for me um and yeah at the end of that whole speeder bike chase where they they catch the mayor's uh you know major domo i was just like okay yeah that whole thing was kind of goofy it was a nice little easter egg the fact that he crashed into a bunch of melu runs uh <laughs> you know that we've seen in like rebels and stuff before and uh, again, Maylu Run Juice is the absolute most delicious thing you can purchase at Galaxy's Edge. And if you go and you don't get the Maylu Run Juice, you're missing out. You got to um, go
2: right back and get one. Pay full price yeah. admission to Disneyland again. Just go to Galaxy's Edge,
1: get Meilu Run Juice. Dude, and I <laughs> would. I, I would go <laughs> to great. Galaxy's Edge again just to to walk around, see the sights, look at the Millennium Falcon, buy a cup of Meilu Run Juice and leave. It would be worth <laughs> it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was a a fun little touch and a fun little Easter egg. Um, And yeah, like I I, I liked the characters. I liked Chrysantin, but like I wanted more from, I actually wanted more from the flashback scenes in in this episode and to at least kind of flesh out that story with the Tuskins more. And then yeah, that that final quote unquote climactic speed of bike chase (laughs) to end the episode was just not very climactic.
2: Yeah, it's not gonna be a surprise that so far this is the weakest episode of the series, but yet there's still a lot that I lived about in the third episode. My biggest disappointment, actually, is what you were saying about the flashback sequence and um, the Tuskens getting wiped out. Because I knew that was going to happen at some point. It was just setting up to be like that was going to be a big factor in Boa's motivation for him uh, in the present time period. I knew at some point um, he was going to have, he was going to lose the Tuscan tribe. But what was disappointing about it for me was that we didn't see it, and I just think it would have packed a little more emotional weight. Um, I think for Boba and us, the audience, if we actually see the Tuscans get taken out and not that I want to see them get taken out, obviously, because we come so attached to them and just in the two episodes that they were in. But just to get more of that emotional impact, I think you really would have felt it if we actually saw them get wiped out. But I know why they didn't. They're kind of playing up the mystery that it, we know that it's not the bike. It wasn't just the biker gang that did it. Um, either whoever wiped them out was just put that Biker Gang's logo on there to throw Boba Fett off, or they were hired to do it. But as Fennec Shan said in the next episode, is that, does it feel like, do you really think a cartoon and Biker Gang would be able to take out that group of Tuscans? And so, um, yeah, so that's definitely not something that where, I know going in, or after seeing that episode, I know what they were going for, they're trying to create a mystery, but I just think it would have been more impactful if we actually saw them Get taken out just for what you were saying, how, how, spent, how so much time we spent with them in that second episode, and just what a great introduction they had in the first. It would have definitely felt uh more had more weight to it if we saw it, but uh, we'll see where it leads because I definitely don't think that story thread is over. I think we are going to circle back to it within uh, these last two episodes because I don't think all those Tuscans are wiped out. Uh, we didn't see the body of the child Tuscan and of the Tuscan warrior. Well, we didn't
1: we didn't see the Tuscan warrior, and we didn't see the body of the child, but when he throws, like, when yeah. he, he piles the bodies and burns them, and he has that, sm, the, like, the small stick that he throws on there, that was the same stick that the kid was, like, whacking him with. It definitely beginning. was. Yeah. At um, the same so time, I think, like... I mean, to me, I took that to symbolize that, like, he was saying goodbye to his friend, and that, like, maybe they just didn't want to show, like, a dead child on the show, that maybe they thought that would be a little too dark. Sure, I
2: could see that, but at the same time, if I guess if there's only one that survived, I think it's more likely it's going to be the Tuscan warrior. I definitely think she's still out there because she was such a focal point um, in those two episodes where they would have had to show Boba Fett see her body and kind of see his reaction to it. And the fact that we didn't, I think she's showing up again probably in the finale. But um, so yeah, I don't think that story threads over, uh, but at the same time, was a little disappointed that it was kind of, that big moment happened rather quickly in the episode. And yeah. then, like you said, everything you was about that in sequence with the chase, I agree with. It's definitely going to go down as one of the worst action sequences in anything of star Wars. <laughs> uh, but as far as the biker gang and the designs of the bikes themselves, uh, the bikes, uh, I gotta be honest. I didn't really care for them. I did think they did stand out and maybe from there on Coruscant, I don't think we'd be talking about, or you wouldn't be hearing too much complaints about it, but just the fact that, they're on Tatooine, they do stick out like a sore thumb, and it does look weird, but um, at the same time, it's like I don't get why so there was so much outrage for it. And it caused this whole I don't want to say controversy, but so many people were upset and vo- voicing their opinions on it when it's really such a small detail in a story in a show about Boba Fett. I mean, are you really going to let the designs of some speeder bikes take away from all the other stuff that? I think they're just yeah. really doing great in the series. And even in this episode, I love the stuff I mean, where Boba Fett gets a rancor. <laughs> I mean, that's... I oh, think yeah, yeah.
1: We didn't, you didn't even mention that. That's going to play
2: yeah. off huge in the finale. I mean, they're obviously setting up maybe a little too much they were setting up in this episode where he just flat out says, I want to learn how to write it. Okay, we're definitely going to see that in the finale episode. Yeah, uh, But sure. it's the fact that Boba Fett has a rancor. We get the reference to the the witches of dathomir writing uh rancors all that stuff just that little stuff for the hardcore fans to get was great and one aspect too of boba fett that i'm just loving in these episodes boba fett's an animal lover man I mean, he was bonding yeah. with the tuscan uh i think they're called the massifs the dogs that they have And oh, then yeah. yeah the rancor you saw i was getting buddy buddy with it already and then the next episode the bantha hell it was so hard to part ways with it so i just love that they're making boba fett an animal lover that's just one new aspect of the character That's being introduced in the series. and I'm loving it. So uh, yeah, I loved all that stuff. And then uh, again, just setting up for the eventual war that's going to come with the Pikes in this episode as it ended. But yeah, not my favorite of the series so far, definitely. But at the same time, there's still plenty of Star Wars stuff in there that I absolutely loved and what it did for the character of Boba, uh, minus some uh, weak action sequences and some curious design choices. But overall, nothing to get up in arms about that i've seen with that episode air when the, the i try to I, for the most part i've been really good about staying spoiler free going into wednesday nights before i watched the episode but for this one i just solved so many people so many complaints about it without necessarily seeing what it was so i was wondering what that was going to be and when i saw it i was like really that's it yeah i don't really love it either but it's nothing <laughs> really to get so upset over but I really can't be too surprised with some of these reactions you see nowadays from people. So it's just yeah, of Star those
1: Wars fans get upset and overreact about things. What? We've never heard of that. Would before. Have thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, before we wrap up with this episode here to uh, join us with his thoughts on these first couple episodes of the Mandalorian, we have Paul Herman in the house. There he is. Hey guys.
0: How's it going?
1: It is going pretty well.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for uh, letting me jump on later. I know it's kind of jarring when you have like the two, you have your, your old repertoire going back and forth. And I come in and go, hey, let's burn this all up and just tear it all down. And then welcome right. to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, no, it's, I, I, we weren't, you know, full, full, full disclosure to everybody. I was not planning on being on this episode um, until it was Kyle who pretty much convinced me to have my pizza night two days early. To do uh this episode or just kind of, at least watch the mandalorian episode and the way it worked out i was able to kind of jump on eventually um it was funny because after we were done my wife goes oh we didn't watch anything else after this i'm like oh <laughs> i got a podcast to be on. Podcast <laughs> time, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like yeah, i'm like you
1: didn't say that. i mean whatever I conveniently it was... forgot to mention that part <laughs>
0: yeah exactly no it was a i had a day of um uh my daughter has been sick the last couple days we, she had her COVID test and it came back negative that's that's good news but yes. she's yeah she was sick the last couple days and so to, um we spent a good portion watching the force awakens yesterday and then we uh watched most of or yeah a good chunk of last jedi today um
2: you gotta know which part you didn't
0: watch <laughs> yeah yeah and, and legitimately like i and no i'm not even trying to be funny smug or uh anyone like this i mean or pretentious when i say this and i I say it for justin bulger out there who love to call (laughs) me out which i'm gonna call you out boy i mean just get get ready um no but um in all seriousness i did this last time i watched the movie i I skipped most of the poe dameron holdo um rose and finn parts um and for and i i like the movie a lot more it it just gets to the point a lot quicker um, I still have had issues with things, but um, watch. I haven't watched up until basically when Kylo Ren, you know, is 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 being really meta when he says, "You're nobody. You're nobody. You're nobody. You're nobody." And, and then, okay, I'm getting enough of this. Uh, thank God that wasn't up true. But anyway, um, but no, uh, watch that. My daughter really. You know, it's really weird is that my daughter she watched most of the Force Awakens. Like, didn't really. I mean, she was sick, so that also makes it easier for her. She, she stuck, she stuck around you know, a good chunk of the time. Last should I and it's not like on Last Should I, but she had a little harder time staying still for that one. But, um, but she, I think she wasn't feeling very good at the same time. So, anyway, I'm almost done with my rewatch of the, of the sequel trilogy, which I've been talking about for like a long time. And I'm just, I'm just biding my time for the Rise of Skywalker. So, you know, I don't think I've watched it on my new, um, um, yeah, I don't think I've watched it really on my new TV yet, which I'm really excited about. Um, my new TV has a lot better uh, capabilities for 4K than my last one. So it was 4K TV, but just a lot, it's a lot better overall. So I'm really excited to check that out. So, But yeah, she took care of her, took a nap, and uh, ate a bunch of pizza and watched the today's Mandalorian episode, which I know we haven't gotten to yet. But I can't wait to get to talk about it. <laughs> I'm not going
2: to Real quick, We're, Paul, we're not I quite... Do, I do like oh, the yeah, we're not there. We're not there. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, I do like the fact that um, when Lulu gets older, hopefully she becomes as big a Star Wars fan as you are. She could say that she first saw Star Wars when she wasn't even two years old yet. I <laughs> mean, just <to have> that <laughs> is awesome. Yeah, well, she's watched.
0: Uh, you know, she well, she loves. She's a huge Grogu fan, as we all know, or we all know me, the three of us. Anyone uh, in the audience probably like, who the hell is you know, Lulu? <laughs> you know, I don't know, uh, but that's my daughter. Uh, but. But yeah, um, my 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 daughter is a huge Grogu fan, huge, and uh, we started watching the Mandalorian season one kind of sporadically, you know, and she kind of go in and out of interest of that. So, but she's watched she she sat down and watched a lot of that with me, and she loves Grogu. Oh my god. She calls Yoda Grogu now too, by the way. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't have the heart to tell her. Which, is, which is the
1: opposite of most people who think that Grogu is just Yoda. Right,
0: right, right. It, it's it's more like old man, old man Grogu now is what she. You no know, more <laughs> you know. baby Yoda,
1: old man Grogu. Yeah.
0: So we yeah, So I, I on the I I bought a P I got a PS five and I rebought Battlefront two, and I'm going through the emotes of all the Yoda stuff, and she just laughs.
1: She's a like, Grogu,
0: <laughs> you, know, but he's, you know, it's it's really funny. And so, yeah, she's, she's a huge Grogu fan and she does like Star Wars. I mean, she, she's, she understands it. Like she'll look at like Star Wars and go like, and kind of, and point at it and knows Like, go daddy. And I'm like,
2: yep,
0: <laughs> basically. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. She's, she's cool, but no, it's, um, she, feel, she actually started feeling better this afternoon, which is really, really good news. So I was really happy. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm ready. It's it's weird because I've talked. I know you guys are on episode three right now, right? For a review, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: and we're we're kind of just going through and giving you know kind of brief thoughts and synopsis and highlights of of each episode, and then we're gonna kind of go real in depth on episode five, just because there's so much stuff to talk about with that one. Oh yeah. Episode um,
0: five was a lot to unpack. Do you want me to go? Uh, of over, course, but... of
1: course, of course. Paul would jump right in and start talking about Last Jedi right off the bat. But we're getting. Back I, it wasn't the, me. Back to I, the Boba Fett now.
0: I didn't. Um, it, was, it was. Tim. It was Tim. <laughs> it was. It was him. It was not me. I didn't bring it up. <laughs>
1: um, okay,
0: I'll take you know, responsibility. <laughs> yeah, it was Tim's fault, not my. I, I was going to say something like, you know what? I'm going to be respectful, not say anything because I know Kyle. I don't want to get upset, Kyle. Um, Oh, do you want me to well, give to my, be, my? To quick- be
1: fair, to be fair, you didn't bring up your usual criticisms with it, which see? we all see by now. So progress, yeah, I,
0: <laughs> I, 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 I'm working towards it because, because i believe it or not, there are aspects of the movie I do like, and I, and when I, and I, when I, I know when Justin called me out on that on that tweet I wrote out, it was legitimate. I liked the movie a lot more when I just focus on Luke, Kylo Ryan, and Ray. That's a legitimate, like legitimate, like compliment because I do like that stuff. It looks it yeah anyway i digress um do i really quickly i'll give a real quick so not uh kind of my thoughts on the first three episodes
1: yeah well i mean we talked about the first episode last time um so basically oh, just two and two, and three. We, we started we oh, started yeah. with two so yeah if you want to just kind of give your thoughts on 2 i'm
0: sorry three. yeah thank you um i'm really bummed i missed some video game stuff too by the way but i'll i'll i'll, be, I'll ask you guys off air. um uh, you actually
1: wanted to talk about lego star wars we figured we could just do that without oh, we could circle back to that if you want <laughs>
0: I wish I wish the audience had the video of this right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Steve> <laughs> no, I,
0: I was like, shut up, guys. Uh, no episode. So it's funny because on the um, Marvel Newscast Patreon, I've gone I've uh, the first episode and I've done the last the last ep- or fourth episode with with Sean. Um, you know, it's really cool because people I'm not sure, Tim, if you mentioned that we saw we binged the, the first four episodes last Saturday. And which, by the way, was a lot longer than I was anticipating. And I always think they're not very long episodes. When we were done, I'm like, "Whew, that was <laughs> That was quite a bit." You know, I was pretty out of it. Dan,
2: the second episode was pretty lengthy.
0: It yeah. is a lengthy episode. Um, so we talked about it on, on when we did it uh, last Saturday. I'm going to tell you everyone right now. I think episode two is peak Star Wars. That was phenomenal, phenomenal episode. Uh, I'm, Kyle, I didn't hear your opinion. I'm curious, really quick, what you thought.
1: Oh yeah, I mean Tim and I both loved it. Like
0: yeah, it, it's it's it, you know one thing that people will could can critique you know Disney stars for whatever reason. You know it, it, when you're putting out as much content as they are, you're gonna have hits and misses. It's 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 gonna happen for with yeah. movies, films, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know I, I gotta say that I that episode really just it felt so much like a real Star Wars episode to me like no matter which way you cut it that's star wars it just just oozes out star wars and it was felt very original and you know and very creative in its own right and so i thought episode two is is peak star wars and maybe some of the best Star Wars ever in my opinion um i thought it was great so I, I'd be interested to think about like my favorite Star Wars stories at one point, you know, like, you know, moments or not. Yeah, not even moments like the Star Wars stories it could be a movie, TV shows, comics, whatever. But that definitely is one of them It's phenomenal. I loved it. I thought it was top to bottom. Just incredible. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, I, I remember when that one was over, my initial reaction, I think I, I tweeted this, too, was that like that was instantly one of my favorite episodes of any of the Star Wars series. Yeah. Um, between you know Book of Boba and Mandalorian, um, and you could even throw in you know Clone Wars. And oh, all that. Yeah, I was gonna like, say uh, Clone Wars. At least, <laughs> especially among especially among the live action stuff. I mean, and that Resistance. Right, like, that's that's right up there among the. Best <laughs> no, let's not go episodes. crazy, Paul. Nothing's gonna. Be <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's right up there among the you know with with some of the best episodes of Mandalorian, and it also kind of reminded me of, um, uh, gosh, what's episode two uh, or not episode two, episode seven of season two of the Mandalorian. Um, yeah. Which is uh gosh, is that one called Redemption? I, I don't know why I'm blanking on the name right now. I'm usually good with episode titles, but the one where oh, they oh, where Mando takes his helmet off in the Imperial base and they have that other kind of like Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, that's um, so good. So on good. top of like on top of the Imperial trucks with the Rhydonium. And that's that's one of those episodes that is like doesn't have a lot of big reveals, like you know, in a season when we yeah. got Luke and Ahsoka and Bogatan and Crate Dragons, like that one kind of flies oh, under the radar. For not having a lot of like big reveals or yeah. moments like that or anything, but just like the action is so good, the the uh, acting is so good, like just the performances, the direction, the writing, just the execution of of all of it is excellent. And that's the same way I feel about uh, episode two of Book of Fett.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's just um, everything about it. I think the pike seeing the pikes on screen for the first time. I know me and Tim we talked a little bit about it when we did our binge episode. Uh, episode or binge uh excursion right. uh yeah yeah, it, it, yeah whatever it should have been recorded it could have been fine we were, it was pretty fun um no it was we talked about how the pikes were it was cool to see them on screen for the first time and or, or not minus solo they actually looked a little bit more like the, the clone wars versions of the um at least i thought so anyway
1: no um, i think they they to me looked right out of solo I don't know if we saw any without their masks on, or yeah, yeah no, like with their, with no, their masks off solo. in Solo, and so that might be a, a little bit why. but I mean, for me, one of my kind of, I wouldn't call this a nitpick nitpick with the Book of Boba Fett specifically, um, because I felt like those designs of the pikes were very close to what we had seen before in live action in Solo, but I like their Clone Wars designs a lot more, where they're a little bit more exaggerated, a little bit more alien looking, um, with like kind of the bigger heads and the glowing eyes, and um, and these ones the live action ones like their heads are a little bit smaller their eyes are a little bit smaller and just black and they're a little bit more just kind of like fishy or squid looking as opposed to looking like these kind of like a little bit more like far out kind of like acid trippy kind of space gangsters like i love the the weird vibe that they've got going on in
0: Clone well Wars. i i felt like this was more of a bridge I mean it because the, the one in Clone Wars was is not even like a real pike or it was a pike, but it wasn't like a, a, a like a gangster pike, you know. It was, I felt like this was more of a bridge because, and that's the thing about I think what to be honest, and, this, and I don't want to get too dig- digress too much in this because you know, whatever we're gonna be here for eight hours. Um, but the one thing I will say that I think Star Wars is trying to is really starting to figure out. The best, and then I'm sure I'm very curious what you guys both think about this is how to interpret the different things in canon. So, like, if you introduce something like in a comic book or in a cartoon, and you're giving a lot, there's a lot of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like you said that you said before too, Kyle, the, the exaggerated look and animation, how does that translate? Excuse me, how does that translate to screen to live action? Mm-hmm. And I feel that that star wars is starting to figure out not just the physical or the physical look but like the the canon the canonicity of what happens in the stories and how does that play and flow through all the different mediums and i think they're trying they're kind of figuring it out a little bit i think that like i think the tv shows have done a great job of incorporating so much different canon which we'll obviously we'll get into at some point here um uh even more so in a second but I I I'm really impressed and I think that this because I've again I haven't looked at the the Clone Wars versions in a long time but I do I did think they looked closer to the Clone Wars opposed to the one we saw in Solo I'm not saying it's like one for one but it looked closer to that and matched that one anyway I thought um so I mean
1: maybe a little bit especially with the the eyes on the mask Um, yes I think that's what I'm talking about because I remember seeing them in Solo and at first I almost didn't even recognize that they were pikes um, it
0: wasn't even a it wasn't even a real pike in my opinion. It was like a he was like a weird guardsman
1: thing. Yeah, because because the I mean, like it, they've got like the eyes on the helmet that are just kind of like mm-hmm. blocky slits that almost look like right. the uh, like the Mark One Iron Man suit or something like
0: that. Um, <laughs> I like your shirt, by the way.
1: Oh, thank you. I've I've got a uh, Grogu shirt on because nobody has to see that. We're I'm we're gonna, on video. We're, we're we're on video chat, but we're just going to be putting the audio up. Maybe we'll start. Video. We'll see. Yeah, we will. If, if maybe we'll. Let us know. Let you for for people listening to this. Send us emails and it. comments and stuff. Uh, if you want us to to start doing video too, but you got to like bombard us with it. You can't just if there's yeah, like, yeah, two, gotta, if like two people, we might not do it. Um, well,
0: oh, but 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 I thought I thought it looked good. I, I but anyway.
1: So so yeah, like the, the the because they're all helmeted and like the masks that they're wearing in solo didn't even really look reminiscent of pikes. Like they didn't look like pike faces. And so I will say in Book of Boba, the helmets more like the the faces on the helmets more right. resemble their actual faces like with the shapes of the eyes and stuff so you can yeah. kind of more tell that they're pikes but still i still prefer the animated version and it is still a bit more just kind of exaggerated and yeah um but but yeah, anyway
0: but in, in, in back to you know going to black kersantin too i mean which again that was which by the way for people who don't know i'm you know I'm a huge comic book guy, as if you don't know already, which you should. But whatever, I'm not a nobody, but so no one knows who I am. Um, but if you do know me, you should. You all know I love comics, and I'm a big Star Wars comic guy, obviously, naturally, by proxy of that. And Blacker Sanson's reveal. I had managed to stay, and again, I, I try to watch these on Fridays because I just I hate Wednesday night reveals. I still hate it even tonight, even though I moved pizza night up just to watch this episode for Kyle. Uh, I'm just I um,
1: all I, was, I did was all, all <laughs> I said was stay off Twitter if you're going to wait till Friday, and then you. And re- when you said that, I'm straight, like, I was like, hey, it's up to you.
0: You know what? I'm glad I listened to you though. Honestly, um, we'll talk about that in a second. But no, I I I managed to manage to stay spoiler free on the chrysanthemum reveal, and I lost it. I straight up lost it because I loved black chrysanthemum in the comic books, even when I wasn't the biggest Dr. Afro fan. And that's what he pretty much was in after a while. Um, But uh, his reveal was insane to me. And I like, he looked perfect again. We're talking, I mean, and one of the things I will say too, is again, in the comic books, like he looks huge. Like he's even bigger than the comic books. In my opinion, I'm curious of what you would think, Tim, if you agree to that, it feels like he's, he's a little bit taller almost than the comic books. Like, in the in the comic, opposed yeah, to his I thicker,
2: I agree with that. But at the same time, how he looked in live action captured that feel. Like anyone near him would still feel that way. That he's like, yeah, 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 bulking Wookiee That you would who would stand out amongst other Wookies, I think too. So, I think right, I'm but but that it, in the live action, no, way. no,
0: totally yeah and that's what i'm saying it kind of goes back to what you were saying uh you know about kyle how they're more exaggerated same thing with black chrysanthemum he's a lot more exaggerated he's a lot taller a little bit lankier i would say maybe he gained some weight since the uh, comic books into the to mando but but either way i i think it's meant to be like that this different iteration if or not iteration but you know you translate it to screen he has to be updated a little bit and the scar is there from obi-wan but it's not as prominent in, yeah. in on on screen but again this is all I think they're figuring out things to make fans happy and still keep things moving and and not be like, you know, a complete departure where it's like not the same canon. It feels very natural to me. So, yeah. Episode two with all the Sand People reveals. I mean, the mythology of the Sand People is incredible. Um, I think with you put that with the Pikes. Uh, you put that with the fact you know, Tashi Station in Blacker Sansan. I, didn't even I mean,
2: Toshi Station earlier. That's right,
0: mm, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's guys. Uh, episode two is a it's a it's a freaking barn burn, man. It's so yeah, good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think episode two is peak Star Wars. So I segwayed that to episode three, which is definitely the most controversial episode I would say of of the season, uh, even now. Um, I didn't hear what you thought of the episode, Kyle. So I'm curious, really quick, what, what did you think? So I can kind of play off of this. I'm oh, curious. Well, I don't know, I mean, I know what Tim thinks.
1: I, I thought that speeder chase was fantastic and like really exciting. I know you're being sarcastic. No, uh, <laughs> I know you're being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I, I didn't hate it as much as some people. I, I definitely had some criticisms with it. It's my least favorite episode so far. Um, I yeah. like the design of the, the bikers and even their bikes. I just thought the the execution of the, the speed chase at the end was just goofy. Um, Yeah.
0: I, I think I, I actually, I hadn't watched the episodes again, except episode one more than once until me and Tim did our, our binge. And I'm really glad I did because, um, Tim, I'm not sure if you mentioned this. We we talked a little about it on the ep- – I keep saying the episode. We <laughs> – this is not hanging out. Um, I It's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> I know. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. People don't understand. Like, this is pretty much how we all hang out and argue. We argue about the same things. I you know, This is how I am in real life. Um, no, I'm glad I rewatched all this because I, like a lot of people, didn't like the, the chase scene, and the mods didn't really feel very – well to me very good i just ah, whatever watching it again i like the mods a lot more the second time um and i accepted them a lot more i do think the the bikes themselves were fine they just needed to be more dirty they look too clean i think that's my biggest hmm. problem and, and me and uh my friend one of my best friends dave valdez aka father's figures on instagram and, and twitter um we had a good long talk on um, the other day and we talked about that and, and he said you know i just don't believe anything on Tatooine looks that clean. I'm like, yeah, that's At least
2: a not good for point. Very long, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, but exactly. I also, I also could buy that, like these guys with their gadgets and stuff, and you know, just would be really into their bikes and.
0: But they don't like, have work. Kyle. Want to
1: keep them clean? Yeah,
0: they true. don't have work. I, I I I I could go both ways. I I wasn't like anti that. Like I was I I'm actually more fine with them the way they look now than I was before. But I'd actually agree with with, with Dave about. I do think that she looked a little bit more dirty, a little bit more lived in, if you will. Um, but I, I again I, I thought the episode was fine. I the rancor obviously was was awesome. It, it felt a little my, my actually one of my biggest besides the, the speeder chase, we'll get that in a second. Um, I would say my biggest criticism was the exposition dump at the rancor scene when Boba and, and uh uh freaking machete are talking and uh <laughs> And, and Machete's like, oh, look at the, look at one person, and you know, and he's like, oh, let me look at me, I want to look at me. Oh, I'm a boy. that's a good boy. I want to ride him. I want to do this. I want to do that. It's like you know, it's also it's like exposition dump of like, or foreshadow dump, I should say, of like, I'm going to ride him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. <laughs> if there's a little two on the nose that they're all sudden like, he's a he's a good boy. Oh, i got to go. See you later. And then and then he leads and and Machete's like don't worry he'll be back like the rancor already misses boba fett when he saw him for like literally what 10 seconds it's like come on i mean i i don't know it felt a little a little rushed if you will i wish it would, it would have introduced him a little bit sooner so we could get a little more time with boba but like tim said i like the fact that boba's an animal lover it seems like we got from the series but i mean who is isn't? If you, if you are if you're an animal lover you don't deserve living this planet uh, i'm just kidding mostly um but um <laughs> But no, I, that was probably like my. Besides, like the chase scene was my. It's a nitpick, but it's still. I kind of thought I was a little too on the nose, but that's me being, you know, nitpicky. But I love Machete being a Rancor keeper. That's rad. Anytime you see a Rancor is rad. So I mean, we're good. So um, I loved all that. But get to this, the chase scene. I'm not sure if you, what you, if you said this or not, Tim. But one thing that I had mentioned, and I think you agreed with too. And stop me if you if you if I'm wrong here, Tim. But I think that the main problem wasn't the speeders or the, or the bikes. It was, the I didn't
2: mention it, but that, that's a good point. Yeah. What are you about to say?
0: It was, it, it, when I rewatched it, the speeders looked fine. I, I thought the speeders like themselves on the bikes, whatever, like they were like, they, the mods looked okay. It was the speeder that the freaking the Twi'lek was, was driving. It was going so slow. It felt like it, it, that felt like it was going so slow, but all the bikes around him are going a lot faster. It was it was really really weird, and I, I I realized I'm like that's what it is. It felt it feels awkward because whatever speeder whatever they're using to get this the, this speeder to go fast or whatever or the whatever cameras are using or speed, it just didn't match up with whatever special effects they, or what they were doing with, with the bikes. So you felt like these bikes were going like almost like way faster than the speeder, but because the the where they're going is so narrow that they couldn't go very fast. So I, it just felt very awkward to me. And I it definitely feels they forced that one in. It definitely comes across that way to me. So um, it's watching it again. It's not great. It's not executed well. I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be. But maybe I'm an apologist. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, the mods don't bother me anymore as much, to be honest. Um, so I, I'm fine with it. But yeah, I thought episode three was a lot better the second time. Is it, the, is it my least favorite episode? Yeah, I'd say so. I, I would say the third and the fourth aren't my favorites um, overall. Um, the fourth it has its own issues. We'll get to in a second. But I thought the three wasn't as bad as what people thought or were saying it was. So that's where I that's where I'm at. All
1: right. Well, man, the fourth had issues. I must have missed those. Um, we'll get to that in a second. I mean, there, was, there was one thing I wanted to go back to in regards to what you said, Tim. Um, about episode three and with the the reveal of the tuscans being killed by the biker gang and the fact that there might be more to that um because i certainly you know i've heard that speculation and i agree with that too um and i'm kind of hoping that we find out that there's more to that and like you said fennec kind of hinted at that too and boba tells her in episode four like the, the you know he got the t- the tuscans killed by the biker gang and she's like really biker gang you know took out a whole tribe of tuscans like that seems unlikely And so it does seem like they're setting up for a reveal that maybe the Pikes killed them. Maybe they hired, I don't know, another bounty hunter or um, there's something kind of more nefarious going on there than the fact that it was just uh, a bunch of bikers. But I also, I don't know, given the fact that episode five was a complete departure and that we now only have two episodes of Boba left and at least part of one of those episodes seems like it's still going to be focused on something else and we'll get to that when we talk about episode five i don't know um i don't know how much how much sort of time there is left for that um and if there if there really is going to be you know still more to that or if they're going to say that you know what we saw in episode four with him dealing with uh the biker gang is just going to be kind of the end of that i hope that we see more and i do hope we still see that one female tuscan still alive um but I thought we would see that in flashbacks. Like, I wanted him to to find her. I wanted her to come back and team up with Boba and them to go, like, beat up on the biker gang and for that to still be in the flashbacks. Um, but then in episode four, when, like, we don't see that, and then also the droid is like, oh, you're healed now, and it kind of speeds up through the rest of the flashbacks. We see him kill Bib Fortuna and, and take over the palace, and it's like, oh, okay, so maybe we're done with the past and the Tuskins and all that kind of stuff. Um But we'll see. I mean, we could obviously still find out in the present day that the Pikes have been, you know, having this grudge against Boba for a while and that they killed the Tuscans or that there's some more nefarious plot going on here. Um, And I hope we see all that. I just I wonder how much of that is really going to happen in these last couple episodes, because it feels like we're we're maybe pressed for time a little bit. Um, But we'll see. Um, But let's move on to episode four. Uh, which is the one where um, this one is also, again, mostly flashback. And we see Boba uh, meet up with Fennec Shan for the first time, take her to that mod parlor to get saved after she gets shot by Toro Calican. Um, And then they go to uh, Jabba's palace to get his ship back. Um, And gosh, I mean, this episode was so much fun. I mean, it had... Uh, you know, we see Boba and Fennec ta- teaming up together. There's some great action scenes when they're going through the palace and taking out the guards and stuff. We get that one chef droid, uh, General Clevis, as the internet is calling him. Um, th- that was so much fun. I don't know about you guys, but like when I was watching that for the first time and he started spinning those knives, I literally just went, General Kenobi! Yeah. Um, and then we get the little uh, the rabbit droid from Clone Wars. Um, seeing that in live action, that was... You know, just so much fun to see, fun little Easter egg there. Um, and then, of course, you know, they go in the hangar, they're busting up the guards, they steal Slave 1 or the Fire Spray or whatever you want to call it now. Um <laughs> I don't know. It's it, it, He says, we're going to go get my fire spray gunship, which we know it's a fire spray gunship that we've always known as slave one. And look, I'm fine with like the whole, I don't know if we've ever really like addressed the whole Boba Fett starship controversy, but I'm like, you know, with making him the, the protagonist of his own show and the whole like new lease on life that he has after coming out of the Sarlacc pit and his whole, like I'm going to rule with respect and everything. It totally makes sense for him not to have a ship that's named after slavery anymore Um, and I'm not saying like, I don't have, I don't find the name offensive and I'm not, you know, this is not some woke cancel culture or we can't have slave in the name of the ship anymore, but like slavery is a bad thing. I'm fine with a bad guy having a ship called slave one, but I can see why they would want to change the name now that they're like sort of recontextualizing the character. And we're seeing that bulb is not as much of a bad guy as we thought he was, but if you're going to do that, I feel like they got to give the ship a new name and not just call it the class of the ship. Um, but then I was also reminded in the most recent episode that, like, with Mando, his ship, the crest you know, we've been calling it that the whole time, but it really was just a Razorcrest gunship. Like, it, it didn't really have its own uh, title that he gave it. Um, so who knows? Maybe in, in time, maybe we'll come to just call it the Fire Spray. Um, At the same time, but- too, I thought it made sense for whether that whole situation where if he just says,
2: you know, they have Slave One, I think he'd much rather her know what type of ship it is why that's why he just calls it it's a
1: spire spray. Okay, is that she knows what type of ship they're trying to get instead of him. Yeah. Uh, I mean it, it was the called. it was the only ship in there. He could have just said, I need to go get my ship. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think I think people are you know making too big of a deal of it, you know, one way or the other, but uh, whatever. They go to get a ship. It's still an is, awesome ship regardless. And 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 whatever you want to call it, seeing it come down from the sky I'll and
0: wipe out the biker
1: gang. Shoes and then drop a seismic charge in the sarlacc pit those were two of my favorite (laughs) moments of this of the show so far um just freaking incredible man like it 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 was worth the price of admission just for those two moments of seeing him come down in the ship and just just mowing down the biker gang not boba fett maybe yeah, and then with it's funny because then he goes to the sarlacc and he's like, "Oh, my armor's in there." And I was like, "Well, we all saw him crawl out of the sarlacc pit with the armor still on, and then the Jawas stripped it off." And maybe he was just kind of delirious or like just doesn't really remember that.
0: That's um, what I, again rewatching all together, which I, I reckon maybe people do. I think a lot of people don't like um, Book of Boba Fett as much as Mandalorian because it's a little bit more, you know. Um, Mandalorian is more linear, you know. Whereas Book of Boba Fett, with all the flashbacks, is kind of all over the place, and it's a little jarring going back and forth. Maybe for some people or whatever, but it just it doesn't flow maybe as well episode to episode as well as the Mandalorian does. But if you binge it like we did, I, I have to say, or at least watch a chunk of it, chunks of it at a time, maybe. Flows a lot better in my opinion. I don't, Tim. I'm not sure if we talked about that at all, but I, me personally, which is hilarious after today's episode, it really feels like that you could the first four episodes should be watched like in a row or something along along those lines because, or the first three chunk and then like maybe the maybe you know whatever. But the first four episodes all back all together, even though it's it is long. If you watch it all like like that. It does flow pretty well, and I feel it just – it makes every episode a little bit better maybe. I know it sounds kind of weird, but it it really does, which I don't think – I mean, you can binge Mandalorian, but Mandalorian, like, it has – it flows fine. But I really do feel a book of Boba Fett feels better, like, long form watching these episodes all together. Back to, yeah. back to back to back to back. and I
1: would agree with that for sure because, like, and you know, some people have complained, like, oh, there's not enough action or it's too slow or it's too much time on the flashbacks or whatever. And I, to me, it feels like, especially when there's, you know, maybe an episode where, like, there's not a lot of, you know, big stuff that happens in that one episode or maybe it's not the best episode on its own. It does feel like it's kind of a, it is like, I feel like the show is a bit of a slow burn and that it's taking its time yes. kind of building towards a big payoff. And when we eventually see... <laughs> Boba bring in, his, bring in his hired muscle when we see him team up with Mando and hopefully some other bounty hunters and familiar faces and they all team up to, uh, you know, fight off the pikes and and have their, their kind of big battle for, for Mos Espa and control of Tatooine. Um, it's going to be really cool to see and it's going to be worth this whole payoff and Boba is going to be just as much of a, a cool butt kicking, you know, armored warrior as we've seen him, you know, in his, his couple episodes of the Mandalorian and stuff and well, uh you know i mean, for for people that say like oh boba's too soft in this show or "or he's not as cool as he used to be or right, you know, ever, there's not right. enough action or whatever it's just we haven't gotten to the good stuff yet we're gonna see boba ride in on a rancor and use his jetpack and use his missiles and absolutely wreck some people it's just you know they they know I'm, look the, you know we've got uh, Robert Rodriguez heavily involved in this show, who directed that episode in season two of The Mandalorian that everybody loved, where he gets the armor back and is just destroying all those stormtroopers. It's like we're gonna see that again, or it's just not gonna see it every episode. They're taking Tim their time up building up. to to you know to all that good stuff at the end. So
0: Tim knows what's coming; he knows exactly what I'm gonna say. What <laughs> one of the yeah. things I one of the things we talked about, um, and I couldn't wait to talk, bring this up on the show because a lot of people have complained about the direction and the feel of his episodes. Finally, giving me justification for me saying that back in his episode, because I felt I was so alone on saying, man, like, does it feel like the Robert, Robert Rodriguez's episode just feels weird. Oh, it's awesome. And it was, I, I, I didn't yeah, love I was- it.
1: I was with you at first. Like, that, know, episode, that episode is growing on me. But the first time I watched it, I mean, it was cool seeing Boba again and just the arm no, reaction. the agree, agree. was awesome. It was mostly just the outdoor setting and it didn't, it looked like, it looked like a Star Wars fan film shot in Southern California. It didn't look like something that was set in Star it Wars. It kind of was, the thing about it. But that was. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's become less and less of a complaint for me over time. But, 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 um, I think. But yeah, you're right. All, like he's he's directed two out of the five episodes so far, and I would say that those are my two least favorite episodes. And that's not a knock, that's that's not a knock against him. It's just
0: yeah, you know. Well, no, but it's not a knock. But it does it definitely. I feel more just justified in my feelings now than I because I thought maybe I was being weird. On, ep- on that episode, but after watching, um you know, and after people have been like complaining about his episodes, I'm like, okay, it's not just me. There's a weird. He has a weird feel for. I don't think it's terrible, but it's just different. I don't know if it flow. I don't think it works for Star Wars completely. The episode of Mandalorian is fine. The first episode's fine too. I, I think that I, I think that's actually not a bad episode. It's okay or it's solid. uh The third episode is probably his weakest, but I think it's mainly because that 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 chasing is terrible. You know, we're not yeah, not terrible. Let's and just and me- speaking
1: of just like Robert Rodriguez and his style, I mentioned to Tim earlier that like that that chase scene almost felt like something out of Spy Kids
0: well dude just yeah like,
1: the pacing of it and the, the way the effects were done and all that
0: kind of stuff well and oh, speaking of spy kids i mean i know he didn't direct the episode but episode four with those freaking weirdo like mod guys the guys with his eyes and stuff i'm like this looks like spy kids like straight up like, like this does not look good you know in my oh, wait, opinion you're
1: talking about the the guy that does the the surgery
0: oh oh no no i'll get to him in a second uh no okay, uh i'm no talking about that guy well give me a moment please uh no the the people on the outside when he's like he's bringing him in it's really nice to talk to help like you guys can see me and do my visual aids and even though people can't see it i feel very good i can you guys convey can help describe yeah you don't know you don't know what you're missing my beautiful face um no when when, the boba fett's holland fennekin and all you know weirdo uh what if i think sean called them edm <laughs> biker people or something or i thought it was really funny i'm like yeah that's good that's a good call oh like the guy with the glasses his weird eyes just, they're terrible i thought oh, yeah, it, it,
1: yeah yeah see i didn't have a problem with those i think they're but cool edition for like background.
0: Whoever the guy was fixing people, I guess he was a famous person, which I have don't had. I, I had no idea he was so famous. I didn't know who he was, so uh that was a kind of a shot. I'm yeah, sorry, you
2: weren't alone there, Paul.
0: Was he like a musician or something? Apparently, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, Since I didn't recognize that, him Whatever. It doesn't matter. Either, either way, one he can't act. Two, uh, his arm was terrible. Like his arm, straight up. Like not. Not the yeah, I would say most of it. Actually, the whole thing is terrible. I think I told you, Tim. His arm l- literally looks like an action figure a- accessory, plastic on his arm. Like it, it did not look real. It did not look authentic. I can't believe they went to screen with that. It's terrible. They sh- they, like Robert Rodriguez or whoever should have like forked over the money of their own salary and said, "We cannot put this on screen." We got uh, CGI, CGI it up. Here, here's some money. My own money. Just fix it. I can't take this. It looks terrible. I can't believe how bad that looked. Like, I was like, man, that is one of the cheapest looking arms I've ever seen in my life. I'm sorry. I, it, I thought it, was, it looked awful. It looked awful. When they put, it, it looks, it looks the worst when it's just like the fork thing, when it's just regular. It looks a little bit better when he puts the other contraptions on it, but it's so it went from like a negative one to like a zero point five out of ten. Like <laughs> so, it just made me very clear. Um, it, I, I, he looked terrible. It was terrible. Um, but the episode gets better after he leaves. That's the worst part of that episode. It, 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 there's a couple of things I have problems with, but that intro is rough. Um, but uh. But yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. wasn't a, I? Wasn't a fan of that. I'm not sure if we're, go- if we're reviewing how we're reviewing this episode. If we're just kind of just spitballing here, but I can talk about something. I, or the other thing I didn't really like. Yeah, I didn't really like the uh, the Chop Droid, the the Chef Grievous, Grievous Chef General Clevis? Yeah, I didn't like him. I didn't realize he was an actual. I I thought his design looked terrible, and I didn't realize he was actually in uh, Attack of the Clones.
1: Yeah, and. Yeah.
0: I was like, oh man. And you know why I didn't like him? Is the, the coloring of the of, I thought his, his coloring looked awful. The gold, oh I did not like it. Um I didn't I didn't recognize him from the tackle clones. I didn't recognize
1: uh, him at first either, but which, 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 I thought that was I, I thought that was fun.
0: I, I well
1: I like the part
0: I just it like was worth droid. it
1: it was worth it just for all the memes of General Grievous in a chef hat that I've that's seen after. <laughs> well,
0: dude, well, when, when you have EV nine in the same scene, like I, I'm yeah, on, you on can't top that. <laughs> <You> can't top EV nine, dude. Having EV nine show up and sound just like EV nine, even though rest in peace, you know Richard Marquand is is passed on. Um, he sounded he sounded perfect, and it was awesome seeing EV. 9 I loved EV nine when I was a kid. he can that droid creeped me out in like the best way, like he, I, I was intrigued by him, but he kind of always scared me a little bit. He was just a little creepy. Um, but seeing him show up was great. And the rabbit droid from, um, from, you know, we said the Clone Wars, that was a great deep cut. Like that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's funny, you know, we talked to, I, again, I, I keep going back to the Patreon episode with Sean. We talked about this episode. He didn't really like it. And I said, you know, that one was, it felt like more of a, a deep cut for the fans. You know, like, because you had, you had the Attack of the Clones droid, which I later found out more so, but you have EV9 and the Rabbit droid. It just felt like, again, that felt like a lot more fun to me. And I, and I know a lot, of, he kind of talked about how that felt out of place, that whole scene. And I said, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about Star Wars more than I do about Marvel in in, in general, as far as their live action stuff, is that, Star Wars really feels all ages to me, whereas Marvel always seems a little bit more adult. Like, I say that in a sense to where it's more like I'd say 12, 12, or 10, 10 and above. Yeah, kids can six and older can see it, you know, whatever. But I think that, like, it that stuff, like the, the whole scene with the rabbit droid that's more for the kids for like, you know, the, the five and the six and eight year olds and things like that, which I think Marvel's kind of, they kind of miss out on a little bit. I think, I think it's really cool that Star Wars is really bronze itself a lot better where you can kind of have a little bit of everything. And Marvel doesn't really have the ability to do that, so to speak. And I don't know, it was really, it was kind of an, it kind of was a throwback to the prequel trilogy a little bit to me. And I thought, yeah, I I mean, hey,
1: Mar- Marvel doesn't have a Grogu. You know they don't have like the little fun and the kind of stuff.
0: They tried. They ba- tried Baby Groot. Didn't work. Well, actually, Groot's I guess fine.
1: no. I guess you're right. That's true. I I mean I he freaking love Baby Groot.
0: But. Yeah, but Baby Groot. But, but dude, Baby Groot's like he's fine, but he didn't resonate with kids.
2: Yeah, mm. not on the same level as Grogu. There's no yeah, Grogu, yeah.
0: Right? Grogu's, I mean, Grogu's like uncanny. Like it's nothing that will ever match Grogu ever yeah. again. Yeah, but yeah. but even but even like I wouldn't even say even like twenty percent of Grogu I don't think is accurate. For baby uh, Groot, baby Groot was just—I would say so.
1: I mean, he was pretty big back when when Guardians Two came out. It's just, well, when but also he ended. You know, he, he was. Oh, see, I he was prefer a... no. I like I like toddler Groot, not little twiggy pot baby Groot.
0: <laughs> I mean, I I think. I think he was mildly popular, but like he was a flash in the pan because I don't think yeah. he had.
1: Well, because then he, he has had, to grow up. Like now we now we've already got teenage Groot in Avengers, and then he's probably he's gonna be better older again Groot, way, in, in, way better than
0: Groot. Teenage Groot's way better. I'll take I'll take
1: mm. over. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, with sure. him with his attitude and just sitting there. <laughs> I, I, what was was nah, I love that. Oh no, Groot. Oh, that's great. I'm sorry.
0: All right, the Marvel show. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, 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 but I did appreciate. I just appreciate the fact that Star Wars is able, even in the book of Boba Fett. Again, I I was rewatching Mandalorian season four with uh, Lulu. And, you know, the episode where he goes to that village, it very is heavily aimed at the younger audience, you know? And again, like I just watched Hawkeye and Hawkeye is great. I loved Hawkeye a lot, but that has nothing for little kids to watch to keep them invested. Really. It's, I mean, there is, because it's got, you know, Katie, um, sack uh not sack um uh, oh my god whatever her name it is i i mean names uh it, you know i think kids you know the younger someone is the more kids can identify with them but like i mean episode four of season one of mandalorian sanctuary it's a you know it's really aimed at younger kids and i think that's one thing star wars and i give, I give credit all george man for the prequel trilogy he really showed how powerful it is to, to aim for that audience that younger audience like that and I'm glad we're, we're, we're not like just be like, no, we're all dark all the time. It's like,
2: well, just that philosophy you're talking about George Lucas wanted to make sure Star Wars for kids. I mean, Dave Filoni is carrying that torch. I mean, he even said it on the behind the scenes specials that we got on Disney Plus. How George Lucas instilled him. You got to make this for kids, like first and foremost, pretty mm-hmm. much. And he's definitely uh, to your point, Paul, having that balance too throughout the course of both series, I would think.
0: Absolutely. And I, I, you know what, it's only, it, I think Marvel is just, you know, it has their own thing going on. And I, I think that, like, as I feel like it's almost like a, I agree, it's like as you get older, I think kids get more into Marvel. And I'm saying, I don't think they'll get less out of Star Wars, but Star Wars is just a, such a family thing. And then maybe that's me being biased or whatever, because I've always associated with family. But it definitely always, even the original trilogy, always felt like a family movie. Everyone could sit down. Because I'm not sure everyone loves Marvel stuff. I mean, mean, everyone loves Marvel. It's Marvel. But I mean, like, I don't feel like the whole family, like, from, like, four years old on could all sit together and watch, like, you know, a Marvel film. It feels Star Wars fits that demographic of family togetherness way more than Marvel. And this is someone from a Marvel zombie. So, you know, I... I just really appreciate it you because know, again as and I think having kids maybe helps that a little bit but like I definitely can't like even already with, with Lulu not really understanding what she's watching necessarily it's really cool to be able to share this and and watch this with her and know that there is some kind of investment with her already with that you know there is it's really cool that I can sit down and right now, my wife and I have just watched B- Book of Boba Fett. But like, you know, ten years from now, you know, or six years from now, when she's, you know, seven or eight or whatever, whatever how old she is, uh, she's two, she's almost two. Uh, but like, it's gonna be really fun because I know Star Wars is gonna be whatever's on on the screen for TV. It's gonna be aimed for all of us to sit down as a family. That's really like mm-hmm. that's very reassuring to me as a father um, to do that. So I, I just seeing this episode have that the someone like as dark and as awesome and as like you know kind of like a Sopranos in space episode like like Bo- Book of Boba Fett and series is. It's it's really reassuring we're gonna have those moments. And I thought it wasn't out of place necessarily. It was it was good. So yeah. I did thought I, was I little- mean I will
1: say it felt a little goofy. Like, I love seeing the rabbit droid. I love, you know, Boba chasing him through the kitchen and stuff. And it was just fun seeing that thing in live action. It was a little goofy when, like, he finally caught it and he's, like, holding it up by the neck. And he's like, do you know who I am? I am Boba Fett. And the droid just, like, cries and, like, shuts off. And Boba's just like, oh, okay. Like, it was – that was a little – I don't know. Oh, like like that that was just one of those moments that kinda of pulled me out of it a little bit, but like it was still fun. And I always, you know, I love those Easter eggs of seeing Clone Wars droids and background characters and stuff coming into live action. So um yeah, and I mean that was just a, a little fun minor moment in an episode where we get, you know, him getting his ship back and wiping people out and dropping seismic charges into the Sarlacc pit and Uh, Then in the present day, you know, just that flex of like inviting all the the crime families to dinner on top of his rancor pit, Um, you know, when they're like, well, what prevents us all from killing you and taking what we want And the rancor claws come up from the floor and it's like that that's what prevents (laughs) you. and, of course, you know, and seeing Kersantan in the bar ripping the arms off of Trandoshan, yeah, you know. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, at the beginning of that scene, I'm sitting there watching it, I'm like, oh, Trandoshans and Wookiees, it's about to go down. Yep.
2: Um, I mean, just seeing that in live action was so cool, just knowing the bad blood that every mm-hmm. Wookiee and Trandoshans have against each other, and just that look on Kersantan's face, as he's just staring at him. You knew, you saw that hatred in his eyes right away, and you knew something was going to go down. It was just yeah. really cool to see that in live action after reading about it and then seeing a little bit of it in Clone Wars to
1: see that uh, rookie wookiee uh, trend Ocean rivalry come to head in live action was pretty darn awesome to see. I was really hoping that the one train ocean that he ripped the arm off of was the same one that brought Boba a wookiee pelt as tribute in the first mm, episode. Yeah. And I went back and watched it and I don't think it is cuz he's wearing a different outfit, but who knows it could be the same guy and he's just in different clothes, you know, those are his his casual street clothes for going gambling. Um but I think it was one of the heads of like the crime families that he meets with at the end. Cause he was wearing like fancy robes, but I'm like, still it was, it was justice for that one Wookiee that got killed. Like, I don't even know if we mentioned that in the first episode, that was, that was like cool to see just like that bit of lore, the, Dark. you know, the, the history between the Wookiees and the Oceans. but also just cause I love Wookie so much. I was like, man, that's messed up.
0: Well, it, it in one of the, again, like one of the things that, uh, I again, I keep bringing my, my Patreon show we did with Sean because he's kind of like the outsider, you know, Star Wars fan as far as like not the mega fan like we all are, and I, I love that scene too. I thought it was great because I knew exactly what was going to happen, right? But what's kind of unfortunate is that you know, he was kind of criticizing that scene a little bit, and I said, well, you know, he was why is this guy like you know he just you know he got he criticized it as a random like just you know violence whatever. I said, well, the problem is is that, or the thing is that that's actually pretty cool because the Trade Oceans and Wookiees hate each other. You know, what I explained to him is, well, it would, would have been nice if they would, would explain that to the audience. And I went, that's fair. And the crazy weird thing is that when Jessica Biel's character is starts talking to him, I thought she was going to do it. Or is it Biel's? What's her name? Is it Jennifer Biel?
1: Oh, Jennifer Biel's
0: yeah i was like wait when i'm like where was jessica biel in this all right come on i I told names that was genuinely
1: confused though i was like wait who are
0: you talking (laughs) about what jennifer biel um no but like when she starts talking to him and trying to talk him out of like ripping the arm off i was like oh she's gonna bring up the trando she never did and i was like that's weird so I do think they they could have really easily explained that to the massive audience that way, and they didn't, which I thought was – which I thought that was a, a that was a mistake. They should have explained that more, but maybe – but I, I didn't care because I loved it. We, I know we all loved it, and also that you know he said, you know, rip off an arm, but there's no blood, and then he criticized that, and I said, well, the thing is, too, with Trandoshans, they'll grow their arm
1: back. Yeah. So
0: yeah. – and so it was – well, again – would have been nice to know that. I'm like, you know, that's and, fair. And,
1: I mean, that's not necessarily crucial information. Like, obviously, they just didn't want to make it super over-the-top, like, bloody and violent. Like, And it, the camera angle kind of hit it anyways. Like, the stump of the severed arm landed off-camera. It was just, like, the hand kind of coming in. And then when the Trandoshan fell on the floor, like, his shoulder that was missing the arm was kind of facing away from the camera. So they just, you know, they were trying to make it not too bloody and violent. Um but yeah, I mean, that is a fair point because like I was watching that episode with my wife and a friend of ours that came over to watch it with us that night and I was getting all excited when they started fighting and they were both like, oh, what the heck? He's just like beating up random people at the bar. And I was like, no, 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 like they're Wookiees and Oceans, like they hate each other. <laughs> and I kind of had to explain that. It was great. Um, that was great. I, mean, but I, I think that's yeah, a, exactly. at the same time though. And also like Kersandon's not a good guy, you know, but it, it, right, it does seem right, kind yeah. of random that, you know, he's just sitting there seeing guys like having fun and just gets mad and, decides to go beat him up but yeah if you know the history of Wookiees and Trandoshans that absolutely makes sense mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah that was cool I mean you know again we we see him make his pact with the other crime families and uh talks about needing to recruit some muscle to fight the pikes and uh you know we hear that Mandalorian theme which leads us into the next episode well get
0: um, Starlock Pit really quick I just I love that I'm a big Starlock Pit guy and it would oh yeah it felt- it did feel a little weird to, for him to like take the slave one and just put it like right up next to the
1: Yeah, <laughs> well actually you know I and I was starting to say that earlier and I don't know how we got sidetracked and went on some tangent or something but the fact that he went up there I, thinking like never. oh this is you know this is where my armor has to be yeah. Um, and I was like, wait, why are we kind of taking this detour? Because we know that his armor's not in there. And then yeah. when he's yeah. looking around with the light and the Sarlacc comes out and is like wrapped around the ship, I was like, Oh, that's why, just so we can have this sequence. which is fine.
0: Um, I was fine yeah. with that. I, I love oh, that. Yeah. yeah I was fine is with that. Now too. Now? I, I, I
1: watched, I watched that episode again the other day and I, I just, um, you know, Paul and I shared the same birthday that was a couple of weeks ago. My parents gave me some money for my birthday and I bought a new soundbar speaker for my TV. Nice. And uh, I got off work early the other day. Actually, it was just earlier this week. It was like Tuesday because um, I was getting ready for this next episode that's coming out today. So I rewatched uh, last week's episode. And because it was the middle of the day and I don't have to worry about, you know, bothering people at night or whatever, I cranked those speakers up when I was watching that episode. And when that seismic charge went off, man, that just like sent a chill down my spine. That is <laughs> such a cool sound. And, you know, like you don't want to overuse that but the fact that we saw it once in in mandalorian and then once in book of boba and it, it was just such a perfect you know moment of like you know the sarlacc pit kind of being his demise in the original trilogy now he gets to come back and drop a seismic charge into it was just perfect um yeah i mean so yeah, that I was, was cool i mean that image of slave one lifting off with just like the tentacles dangling from it
2: yeah that whole sequence i mean just visually. It looked awesome, yeah. and I even
1: I think I tweeted out saying like
2: this is something you can only do with your Star Wars toys previously. <laughs> pretending Slave mm-hmm. One is attacking the Sarlacc Pit and they're having a battle. The fact that we actually saw it and screened, it was just it blew my mind. And just like I said, for the Sarlacc Pit to go out by a seismic charge, what what better way is there to see the end if the Sarlacc Pit's going to have an end? What better way to go out than by Boba Fett using Slave One and a seismic it charge to take it out? I think it is. I was no, questioning it's
1: absolutely dead. I, it I was wondering. If it, it.
2: I was wondering if it was dead in the first episode where Boba Fett got yeah, out. Or just using his flamethrower and the insides of it took it out. Even I think even seen some of like its tentacles or stuff out on the sand in the first episode. So I thought it might have been dead there, but apparently it was not. And I'm glad it wasn't dead at that time because then we got this awesome sequence to see so I hope it was not, great but I, I, I just love, love the Slam. look and the shots we got of slave one just facing up against the sarlacc but even though it might have looked strange in it, shots, was cool. I, it was, it still weird, it was still though, cool because it just never thought we'd see slave one like that and just some of the yeah. angles and the shots we had of it so i just love that sequence so much i even would have liked it probably would have been a little redundant but i was kind of even hoping we got some shots of boba fett actually in the sarlacc still looking for his armor even though it would just eventually be we know where he, he's not going to find it. So I can see why it wasn't there, but it just would have been cool to see something visually. Well, also but,
1: the fact that he went back down in there and came out fine, I think well, is, uh, you know, kind of further proof that, yeah, like yeah, that thing is dead. He wouldn't go back in there knowing that the Sarlacc is yeah. still alive and could just eat him again.
2: And just going back real quick too, to the point of him, like, not remembering what happened to his armor. Um, I totally get why, even in an in-universe standpoint where we saw what he went through right after he got out and everything that whole part of his life is probably such a blur to him that he there's just no way he's going to remember every detail and he just got to remember that he came out without the armor was with the tuscans um and not knowing what happened with the jaw was taking it and knocking him out and all that so i I buy in him not remembering just because of all the crap he had to go through from yeah being out of the Starlak pit being beaten by the tuscans dragged across the desert for who knows how long and then just being posted on that uh pipe there it's just gonna be something that you're not gonna remember the full details of so i could definitely understand why he would think that his armor is
1: still in the sarlacc pit yeah for sure And, and like i said even if you know, even if it's kind of hard to buy or whatever. I mean, I, I think you you can definitely give it a pass, just the fact that, you know, he was still kind of like delirious and, you know, barely alive when he got out of there. Um, so it makes sense that he wouldn't remember it. But, you know, if if they had to just make up some reason for it, just so he could go back and we have that sequence. Um, I mean, it would have been cool. It would have it been cool enough if he just was like, yeah, screw that Sarlacc pit. And he like dropped the seismic charge in on purpose, but for him to you know kind of come face to face with it and it's like trying to swallow slave one and they barely get out thanks to the seismic charge that was even cooler so um i was like yeah i'm fine with them you know kind of rationalizing an explanation for him to go back there just to get a fight between slave one and the zarlacc pit that was freaking cool but um yeah so then like i said we kind of get to the end of that episode where um you know the pikes are moving in they're trying to take over Um, We see at the end of episode three, you know, they're landing ships and bringing more troops into, into Tatooine. Um, And Boba's like, okay, at least I made a treaty with these other guys to, you know, stay out of my way, even if they're not going to join me. Um, So we're going to need some additional muscle to come in and help fight these guys. And we hear the Mandalorian theme, which of course made us all think, oh, we're going to see Din come in in the next episode. Um, I don't know about you guys, but like as excited as I was, to see the Mandalorian again, I was also thinking, I'm like, well, you know, one extra Mandalorian is not, I mean, you know, Din's a good fighter. He's got his Beskar armor. Like he could take out a lot of pikes, but like if they've got a big force, they're probably going to need more than just him. Um, And they talked about having a lot of treasure in reserve. And so I was like, okay, yeah, Mando, but who else? Like, I want to see Bosk and Dengar and Cad Bane, but also maybe Cad Bane is going to get hired by the pikes and we'll get to see him fight Boba. Um, so I was immediately thinking of like, who else we might see? And I, you know, going into this fifth episode, I'm like, okay, we're going to see Mando come in see him get recruited, but who else are we going to see? I was not prepared for (laughs) the season three premiere of the Mandalorian because that's what we got, (laughs) uh, slipped into the middle of the book of Boba Fett. Um, gosh. And like. I mean, And we can, you know, kind of talk about that. I mean, that's kind of one nitpick that I've heard some people have with this episode is that it's basically, uh, you know, it, it definitely sort of takes away from the main story of Boba Fett. Um, and this is, I mean, by far seems to be everybody's favorite episode of this show so far, but it's, you know, it, it's the book of Boba Fett and Boba's not even in it. Like he's just barely mentioned at the end. Um, and so you could say that like, yeah, it kind of detracts from Boba's story, but I think it more importantly, it builds on the larger story that all these connected shows are telling. Like, you know, we know that Mando and the book of Boba Fett and Ahsoka and, you know, it's all going to kind of connect and and lead into this larger thing. And so if you're going to bring Mando in, I think it makes sense to show where he's at and what he's been up to since the end of Mando season two, um, I think you just as easily could have brought him in just to to help fight with Boba and saved all this stuff for Mandalorian season three. Um, but I mean, I don't know, regardless of where they put it and how they chose to tell the story, I mean, just the story that we got in this episode was incredible. And, and you know, I mean, I I still had a lot of lingering questions after the end of Mandalorian season two, as far as like are we ever going to see Grogu again? What's he going to do with the dark saber? You know, what's he going to do with Bogotan and reclaiming Mandalore and what happened to Mandalore under the empire? We still didn't know the exact story of like how Bogotan lost the dark saber and what the night of a thousand tears was and, and just sort of what the state of Mandalore was and everything like that. Uh, is he going to get a new ship? Like, you know, I was thinking like, Oh, if he shows up in, in book of Boba, is he going to have a new ship already? Or, you know, how is he going to get there? Um, And this episode, like, answered all of that and more. And it's like, not only did it feel like a full episode of The Mandalorian, it was one of the best episodes of The Mandalorian, just with all the lore and all the the cool stuff that we got. Um, My gosh, like, I mean, this one we'll we'll probably just go through and, and talk a little bit more in depth just because there's so much to talk about. But starting off where we see mando walk into this like butcher shop with a, a bunch of i think they're, there's a klatuuinians or whatever yeah, um Petunians. they're the, the same guys that were those raiders in the uh in the um the Caridun episode in in season 1 of the mandalorian i think they were those same species um but i was like okay he's he's walking through this you know meat shop and heck if anything if you know if i had one minor nitpick about this episode right off the bat it was that This didn't really seem like that much of a Star Wars location. This seemed like they filmed this maybe in like an actual butcher shop somewhere. And (laughs) just put like, they put like Star Wars door frames over the doors and like a couple panels on the walls. But aside from that, this felt like any sketchy butcher shop that you would find some gangsters in in like a gangster movie or something. Um, but you know, Mando goes in the back, he's like, you know, finds a guy that he, he pulls out a, a fob and a bounty puck. And he's like, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. And right off the bat, it was like, oh, so this is what he's been up to. He's gone back to bounty hunting. And I had a lot of questions like, is he, is this just kind of temporarily what he's gone back to? Is he still working with Bogotan and he's doing this to try to get resources for them to to reclaim Mandalore or, you know, what is his, his sort of motive here? Um, which we find out later he's looking for information that leads him back to, you know, sort of his clan and more Mandalorians. Um, but man, just this opening fight scene uh, where, you know, these guys all turn on him and he starts taking them out and we see that he still has the Darksaber and just, you know, seeing Mando bounty hunting and going after targets and chopping people in half with the Darksaber, I was losing my mind right off the bat. I was like, you know, I was not expecting this whatsoever. Yeah, but- <laughs> um Yeah, and so this was just a a crazy way to start it off. And I also love seeing the fact that um, as powerful as this weapon is and as skilled of a fighter as Mando is, like this is a a non-force wielder, someone who's not trained in the use of a lightsaber, and he's kind of struggling with it. You know, he's kind of making some big wild swings and even cuts himself in the leg and, you know, burns himself pretty badly. Um, And I kind of appreciated showing that, like, this is a difficult weapon to master. And we see that even more... You know, more so with the armor later on. Um but yeah, just a, a great way to kick off the episode, reintroduce the character of the Mandalorian, um, and just get some <laughs> Darksaber chop and action and bounty hunting right off the bat.
2: Yeah, I mean, first let me just get my criticism of the episode out of the way because right now it is a big complaint I have about it, and it's what you alluded to, Kyle. It's the Mandalorian season three premiere in the middle of the book of Boba Fett TV series. I do feel it's, I am disappointed that it's taken away one full episode of getting more of Boba Boba Fett and more of his character arc. Now it's, I just feel kind of what you were talking about earlier too, how these two episodes remaining in the series might feel a little rushed or certain story threads might not uh, be satisfied, concluded in a satisfying way, maybe because it is too rushed uh, because there was this whole episode where Boba Fett wasn't in it at all. And I was disappointed by that. And who knows, maybe when the series is over, it will, everything that I'm hoping gets wrapped up um, nicely does. And maybe Boba Fett is going to get more seasons. And this will just be one episode uh, through several seasons where we just get one where he's not in it. But for right now, I just can't help but feel a little, a bit disappointed that um, we got a whole episode in the middle of the book of Boba Fett series and the main character of the series is not in it at all. So um, I just had to get that out there. I did feel that um, bit of disappointment after the episode was over where like he took away cause, and it's probably just because, you know, how much I love the character of Boba Fett. And um, I was excited that his series was going to be seven episodes um, and not six um, kind of how the trend was going for the Disney plus series, especially on the Marvel front. But now it pretty much is a six-episode series for the book of Boba Fett. But uh, mostly it all wraps up. But right now I just couldn't help but feel, "Mm, uh, take it a little bit away from your main character here, even though it is setting up, of course, for their eventual team-up that they're going to have. But um, just had to get that out there, out of the way. That was uh, a complaint I did have about it. But boy, did this episode waste no time (laughs) getting you hyped and just, your mind being blown already from what you were saying because yeah, that opening action sequence, I was not expecting that. I mean, I was surprised kind of like how a soak in the Ahsoka episode for the Mandalorian season two, where she shows up in the first few seconds, like, Oh man, they're not wasting any time bringing uh, Ahsoka into things. And this in this episode too, I thought, man, they're bringing no time reintroducing uh, Mando in the Bo- book of Boba Fett, which is great. And yeah, I was surprised actually to see him wield the dark saber because I assumed he kept it, but I thought it might be something where he's keeping it because he has to because Bo-Katan won't accept it, but maybe he won't be using it. But boy, did he use it <laughs> in this sequence, and it was just awesome to see. It just uh, Made me think, man, is he's taking the loss of Grogu maybe harder than he was expecting and maybe us as an audience was expecting because um, his attacks, of course, it's a lightsaber, but this seemed to be more brutal. The way he even killed his main bounty, just chopping him in two. And you just see mm-hmm. his body split apart. It's like, man, I was not expecting this fight. And for him to fight that brutal. But, I mean, seeing that Darksaber in action like never before in live action, it was just a sight to behold. So, yeah, this episode got off to a great start, um, getting reacquainted with Din Djarin again. It just felt good to see him, too. Just he's, like, he's already becoming just such a great, iconic Star Wars character already, where it's been a while since we've seen him. And then when you see him on screen, you just get a big smile, on your face and just seeing him, hearing him talk, it was just great. So yeah, great introduction to this episode and just for continuing the story of Din Djarin and where things uh, have been for him since the Mandalorian season two finale and where things are probably going to go in the future for season three. But yeah, what a great reintroduction for him in this episode.
0: Yeah. I, I have to say right now that a I I watched this episode tonight because Kyle pretty much gave me the the wink nod. I probably should. I'm very very glad that I did. Thank you, Kyle. I'm glad you you. I was expecting uh, Cad Bane maybe or something in this episode, um, but you know whatever. Uh, but I, I'm so glad I did because I I like everybody else that maybe has criticized the episode, if you will yeah it's it obviously is mandalorian season three you know 0.5 um (laughs) but 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 you know what though but let me let me explain why i think well you've already kind of talked about it kyle a little bit about how it's all one cohesive like connective you know series are all connecting building towards something which is really really exciting too by the way um all that being said i have a different theory about this and i think that we're already getting these kinds of episodes in the mandalorian like obviously the ahsoka episode the boba fett episode they were heavily you know i mean that the whole ahsoka episode is basically just ahsoka oh for the most part mm-hmm. i mean she's majority she's in probably just as much as the mandalorian if not maybe but mando you
1: know. yeah but mando's in it which i think is is kind of the big difference yeah. it's like you could you could have had an episode where it was boba Kind right. Of taking part in a Mandalorian story, but it's the fact that he wasn't in it whatsoever.
0: So here's what, and here's here's what I think is the which is still a, is a fair criticism. The only thing I'm going to say is I think that this will come back. This will make more sense when they when everything is all said and done. When I say everything, I mean all the series. Because, I agree with
2: that, yeah. I'm expecting that to be the case.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, this is why, because, and why it goes back to Boba Fett we've already established that boba fett's an outsider and we're already establishing that boba fett wants a credible life right and he's trying to find that within the gangsters and 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 Tataway. and he, and he what, what has been a key to this whole series that you need a tribe and what i think is that boba fett is going to be a part of this big war we're going to get and that's bigger than what the and uh, the pikes it's going to be boba fett teaming up with the other man with mandalorian himself dinjarin and it's going to be he's going to have in wherever this is leading up to it's going to be in my opinion this is my own prediction i think it's about the reformation of mandalore and how it's going to be re-established and i think boba fett will be one of the major key players in that and this is all setting up this episode is essentially setting up Mandalore, I think, for a greater, like, obviously, I think, with the whole dark saber stuff, with, with like, the, um, you know, I forgot what her name is, the, what, what do they call her? The, uh, the wheel, or the, what God, the, the, the armor. Armor, yeah. oh, my God, the, the armor. Armor, yeah. I call the iron Yeah. Sh- I don't know why. <laughs> uh, that's <really laughs> weird. Um, yeah, iron, she's iron girl. Oh, God, this is weird. Uh, no, um, but the, the armor, her setting up all that stuff, it really, feels like in the whole the dark saber they're setting up a big war again with mandalore and how reclaiming that birthright and that dark saber i think both that's
1: going to play a key part in that um and well i think i think the the mandalore stuff is going to tie more in. i, I think that's going to be more sort of self contained within the mandalorian and that that's so, going to be kind of the driving force of season three is them reclaiming their homeworld and dealing with the dark saber and just the, the culture and the history of Mandalore and all that. I think the bigger overarching story that like Ahsoka is going to tie into and everything is going to deal with Moff Gideon and Thrawn and the Imperial Remnant. Right. And this is I almost going to be like, like Mandalore. See, I think Mandalore is going to play a part in that, but I don't think I don't think Thrawn is going to come back. And his endgame is just going to be to rule Mandalore. I think there's no, going no. to be a bigger I think there's going to be a bigger overarching story than just Mandalore.
0: Well, right, right. What what I'm saying is, I think Mandalor is a big part in it, though. I don't think it's. Thrawn, I think I think that's
1: a big part in it, but I don't necessarily expect Boba to play a big part in ruling Mandalor. I think Mando and his clan and everything they're going to be focused on Mandalor, and then you're going to have them and Mandalorians and Boba and his underworld and like yeah, will be Jedi, it, and right? they're all going to be involved with Thrawn and the Empire.
0: I, in my opinion, I don't think Boba's going to be involved in in. I don't think he's going to be running a gangster thing at the end of the series. I this season. I, I, think I don't think is. I don't think Well, so. actually,
1: you know, let's go back for a second because one one other thing that I loved about episode four was that we finally got, I think, kind of a missing piece of the puzzle in the book of Boba, Fett, which is Boba's motivation for this whole thing of why he wanted to come sure. back and take over Jabba's palace. And he's, he's talking to Fennec about how he's, you know, he's tired of working for other people and that for someone who's been a bounty hunter for so long, who's been kind of on the ground level and seen how things work and he's been you know, used and, and hired by all these people who don't really get how this all works. And, you know, he says like, I'm tired of working for idiots that are going to get me killed. And he wants to kind of come in and do this his own way. Um, but also, you know, he, he talks about having loyalty and honor and how working with the Tuscans has made him realize that like, you know, he's been kind of on his own for so long and, and just kind of doing the lone wolf thing. And he's like, I've, you know, it's made me stronger and made me realize that nobody's going to survive for long without a tribe um Mm -hmm. and talks about that being you know that being why he wants to create his own clan and kind of consolidate power and kind of do things differently than like Jabba and bib fortuna had been doing it um and so i love i i love that we finally kind of get that reveal because that was one thing that was always kind of like especially given this new like more honorable side of boba it's like why does he even want to be a crime lord in the first place and now we kind of finally know that um
0: but, so I like that I, a lot,
1: and and so and so I do think that by the end of the series he is going to be still running things on Messes, but I think they're going to kick the pikes out, and he's going to have you know Fennick and Chrysanthan and and be he's
0: going to have he's a, it's not going to be a criminal organization, it's going to be a balancing organization if that makes any sense because it is on the outer rim, the, the Republic doesn't live there necessarily, so I think that's where where it, he'll be more of a sheriff if you will, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. So, well, yeah. And when I say criminal organization, I'm not talking about, um, you know, he's not going to be like selling drugs or slaves or whatever, you know, I I mean, we think he's a little bit more straight and narrow than that, but he also says, he's like, I'm the crime Lord, you know? So he's, he doesn't necessarily play by the rules. He's not a law abiding citizen. Um, You know, he's, he's still not above, you know, killing people but, or, or smuggling illegal sure. goods or whatever but i think he's and he's maybe not necessarily going to be running like an army of gangsters that are going to come help boba um you know fight uh fight the empire or something but like boba himself is still going to be potentially an ally that they can use in the fight but i think he's also going to have resources and underworld contacts and information and whatever that could certainly play a big role right. in whatever end game they're building but towards here
0: i do but because of his role the Tuskins and him feeling an outsider of his own people of like being a Mandalorian himself. I think that will tie into everything. And that's why I think he'll play a big part in taking over Mandalore, because I think he, because I do think Mandalore, Moff Gideon, Thrawn, all of them are going to be tied into that, that I don't know how, but I think it's all going to tie together. And I think, I think in my opinion, I think Boba Fett will die, not in the series, but in, as far as when we're all said and done, with the um, all the connective tissues and everything, that's, that this whole long story has played out. I do think he'll die, and he'll die at the end in defending Mandalore with the Mandalorian. He'll have some heroic death because, you know, again, and again he doesn't feel like, you know, he's an, he's an outsider already because Bo-Katan and, and What's-Her-Name are already like, oh, Mandalorian, blah, blah, blah. you know, all this crap. And he got all pissed off and the other started fighting. I, I just think that there's going to be some kind of uh, because of that whole tribe idea, he's going he's gonna to want to have that. And, and he's he's a Mandalorian. That's what he is. And I think he's going to honor that and he'll be looked at as a Mandalorian by his, the people when he does and fights for the Mandal- you know, Mandalore, reclaiming Mandalor. Because the one, the one thing about the sequel trilogy, even though I think it's a criticism of this, the whole thing, is that they never included any Mandalorians altogether. It was very perplexing because yeah. even when The Force Awakens came out, I kept expecting they'll have some kind of like some kind of Mandalorian in there because it's 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 you know, it's iconic looking even before the Mandalorian TV show. I was surprised when they didn't. And looking back, it actually might serve them well, because now it's such a you can do all kinds of crazy stuff with the Mandalorian and, and what you can do with Mandalore because they never talk about it. And you can just yeah. establish the fact that it's Randall War has been reclaimed. And it's ba- it's back to where it used to be, where it's like you don't. It's completely outside of everything. They have so much power. They have so much firepower. They, have, they are such warriors that no one wants to mess with them because they're gonna just f you up. So I feel that that's what this whole series gonna uh, series of episode or um, culmination is gonna happen is where whoever's leading at the very end of of this of this whole thing, which I'm assuming is gonna be Dinjarin but I think it's going to end up being a big war to reclaim Mandalore. The Mandalorians will rise up again and hope maybe I'll be honest. I hope it's a movie, not a TV show. I would love to see. Mm-hmm. A <laughs> that would be pretty I think, I, I think it's a very good chance of happening to be honest. Um, because I, as much as I love these TV shows to death and Disney plus has done for the most part, pretty well, especially this episode, episode four, oh, yeah. it looked cheap, it looked cheap in, in places though, in places. And I was like, "This does not look good." In other places uh, of the season as well, this episode was pretty amazing, all top to bottom. But I do think a movie would, an ending movie would make sense, and I think people, would, everyone, would go see it. Um, but, but yeah, this going back to the, so I say all that to say, I think Boba Fett's going to play a bigger part in every. Oh, sorry, in everything. So I think this that's why I'm more forgiving of this because I'm assuming that. He's going to have a giant, giant part to play in reclaiming Mandalore. And this is essential in building up that. Um, and obviously, I think to, to prep people up for season three. I think obviously that's the main yeah. reason we're getting this. And, and I, I have no problem with that.
2: Yeah. Going back to real quick, over well, thing with Mandalore, because at the end of Mandalorian season two, I firmly believe like the main plot for season three is going to be him with bo probably to reclaim Mandalore and to get it back. But after this episode, I do kind of agree more with what you're saying, Paul, how that might be like the ultimate end game of all these series, maybe. Because now I'm thinking where season three, I'm, he's probably going to go back to Mandalore, but now he has to redeem himself in the eyes of Mandalorians, And that's going to be the main focal point of season that's three, of up. him yeah.
0: getting yeah. that
2: redemption before he can kind of take that next step and be part of the Mandalorians who will reclaim the planet Mandalore mm-hmm. and come back to power. So my whole frame of thinking as far as the how Mandalorian season three is going to shape out is all different now because of this episode.
0: And it makes yeah. sense because I, they've already, they've already established too. There's always different covens that are separated, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. what happens when they bring them all together, it's going to be like a giant army of Mandalorians. And so well, I'm also
1: thinking, I mean, this episode had me wondering too, like how many Mandalorians are even left because we know I mean, it was it was interesting, and I loved all this this Mandalorian lore and stuff that they had in here. And like I said, they could have saved this for Season 3, but I do think it was kind of important to show, like, if you're going to bring back Din Djarin into this. And even though he's not the main character of the Book of Boba Fett, he is kind of the main character of, like, the story that they're telling yeah. in this timeline so far. Absolutely, yep. Um And, like, you know, you, if you're going to bring him in, you kind of have to show what he's been up to for... know the the past however long it's been since the end of mandalorian season two and you could just have some exposition or a flashback or whatever but it's like sure why not why not just devote a whole episode yeah why not um again
0: boba fett was was in a you know he had a lot of i mean even though that grogu episode was beautifully written but boba fett's again like like ahsoka a big focal point was about building him up so i do feel it doesn't feel as out of nowhere and again i'm going back because this is what tim said this definitely sets up what he has to do and it's not and it, it i love the fact that it's not without without grogu being in it assuming that he's not going to be in it as much this next season it, i'm i'm excited and i think and the one thing i think we can all um agree on we all i think everyone would agree that you didn't need grogu in the series to make the Mandalorian interesting but this only solidifies that even even though like he definitely was there by you know in spirit, if you will, because you mm-hmm. know why he, you know whatever. The one thing you you could all agree on is that dinjarin can carry a show by himself. You don't need oh, Grogu. Sure. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> you don't need Grogu. Grow- still adds yeah. so much to it. You know, I mean, even just well, I mean, the not, mention yeah. of him and and him talking about it was, you know, it, uh, Grogu's the heart, heart of the show. Yeah, yeah, Grogu, Grogu's the heart of the show. Um, but the, yeah, the the emotional the emotional heart. But I mean, Mando can definitely drive the plot on his own with his character. Dependent. Yeah, you don't
0: you don't, the, you don't the, need the there,
1: Mandalore and all that. Um, but man, just the amount of of lore and world building that we got for Mandalore and for setting up that conflict. I mean, the fact that we finally got to see the Night of a Thousand Tears as she's explaining and talking about Bo-Katan and the way that <laughs> you know the and even even kind of smoothing out things like in the Mandalorian season two, they're like the dark saber can only be won by combat. And we're like, well, why will Bogotan not just take it from him? We saw we saw her take the dark saber from Sabine in rebels. Like that seemed like a plot hole. And now we know that's not a plot hole. That's what led to the downfall of Mandalore. Um, and it's not necessarily because of this whole, not necessarily because of this whole like cursed prophecy. But I don't know, maybe the clan, maybe not all of the clans wanted to unite under her because they didn't see her as the legitimate exactly, ruler or something, yeah. and that left them weak and vulnerable to the empire. Um, but man, just seeing that flashback and seeing all those tie bombers just carpet bombing the heck out of Mandalore, and then basically nuking the city of Sundari that we've seen everything take place in in Clone Wars was just that took me by
2: surprise. Gotta be honest with that. Like yeah. I knew Mandalore is in bad shape. Boba Fett even said the Empire turned it to glass, but yeah, I wasn't. And expecting now it makes that. sense.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like man, Boba wasn't kidding, and yeah. then you get that like Terminator Two esque yep. sequence of just all the Imperial <laughs> droids, like the the Are KX droids again. and the probe droids.
0: Yeah, um, his gift. You know, his
1: tweet but, every day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw I saw several people mention that. Oh, really? Okay. Um, oh, I, I yeah, just, and it it. just had that like a you know, just that apocalyptic feel to it of, of, but I think that was specifically supposed to be a reference to that movie, specifically the fact that they used all droids, because I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like we've seen other, other KX droids before. Um, Can I think that would have made that that scene even better and cool.
2: You saw, a squad of death troopers kind of leading the way
1: <laughs> yeah see that's what i would have expected that they yeah. would have been maybe death troopers or even like you know some flame troopers or something like that but the fact that it was all droids and and probe droids and stuff just combing through this wreckage and you know executing the remaining mandalorians it was so grim and so dark but i remember my jaw had just, you know, just hanging open. Because this is like 10 minutes into the episode, and I was assuming by this point that Boba would, you know, that Mando would be back with Boba, and they'd be, you know, going (laughs) to fight the Pikes. And instead, we're talking about Tar and the Darksaber and the history of Mandalore and ancient prophecies and the Night of a Thousand Tears. And I was like, this is not what I came here for, but I'm sticking around. Like, this is (laughs) freaking awesome.
0: Yeah, we can't, I kept expecting Boba to be like, "Hello, Mandalorian <laughs> on yeah, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> to say that a million times. Um, it, one thing I, I got some. I got if I'm a, I'm, everyone knows. I see everyone people who like the, defy people who actually care what I have to say. Uh, knows, I, I love story. I love. Uh, I, I love. I, I try to be a. I, I'm a fake writer. You know, I'm trying to write comics or whatever. Um, one of the things that I take from from this specifically, and. I'm curious if you guys would uh, would would buy into this my head cannon, if you will. And I would o- love to pitch this idea to Lucasfilm as far as like how you could explain some things. Because what's the classic thing people always talk about, like with these new additions to the Empire, like the droids and the Death Troopers, it's like where are they in Return of the Jedi? You know, that whole thing, right? Like, Death Troopers is a little more specialized, so I feel like you can get away with that one. But the droids was like, huh, I wonder why, like, you know, you could ask, well, why weren't the droids in there? I mean, you could say, you could come up with different things. You could also say, maybe they used so many droids at the the Battle of Mandalore, of Nine of a Thousand Tears, that they just didn't have as many left over for an army, like, later on.
1: Could be, yeah. I mean, and I mean, look. I do you explanation. I thought like like droids are expensive. It's like, why didn't the Confederacy just use exclusively super battle droids? It's like, well, because they were way more expensive, expensive. to produce right, there right. than regular battle droids. You know, you so see that's why like that there. makes
0: sense though. Do you want you'd want to you'd want to send droids against the super commandos? Yeah, opposed yeah. to like troops just getting slaughtered for you know, as both at same time like.
2: I think too, and maybe it's the same thing. that There's not enough of these type of troops. But would you want to send your elite best troops to take out a warrior race like the Mandalorians? You would want your Death Troopers there and your more elite troops.
0: Right. No. Right. And that's why you would. You probably had maybe most of Death Troopers got destroyed in the, the Night of Thousand Tears, and that's why you have limited amounts of them sprinkled throughout the Empire. Mm-hmm. Not so, likely. <laughs> Shut up! Come on, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, we. I mean, let's be real. Rogue One. If, if read the handbooks, they don't sound like there's a lot of them.
1: Yeah, I get that. That's I, the I, 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 no, and they were mostly used because they were so specialized. They were mostly used as guards for like, you know, like like we see yeah. Thrawn has a few of right, them in rebels. Yeah. We see Krennic has a few of them in. Vader them in, in the comic Yeah, Vader's got them in the comics. um God, Comics so good. So, yeah, <laughs> and like, and Moff Gideon's got them in uh in Mandalorian, but it's like, yeah, they're oh, used yeah, yeah. as you know kind of special units for these high ranking imperial officials. So, yeah, you're not gonna have a whole army of death troopers as much as yeah. Tim wishes that there was, yeah, just so they yeah. can wipe out all the Ewoks.
0: Yeah, Shut up, Tim.
2: Uh, the Empire is spending its credits
1: unwisely, in my opinion. <laughs> oh. Well, I, yeah I wondered, they they, I they, they funded a, they funded one giant Death Star with a thermal exhaust port instead of Thrawn's fleet of Tie defenders see. that could take out X wings. Thrawn understands I, my pain. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: and, you know, and I just and I just wanted to say that I, I thought that was really really cool to see, and I, and again, I I do think we're going to get more of that flashback. I think we're going to get more of that in general. And they're building, and that's why, this is why this episode, you knew they were building that, you know, like you said, Tim and Kyle, like you guys said, it didn't did feel like season two was going to maybe address that. But after this episode, I'm like, no, 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 no. This is like, this is the ultimate end game because you, and that's why I bought the whole film idea. You don't introduce this whole random episode into like a ran, into book of Boba Fett. Like again, season three episode 0. 0.5, um, I don't think you do this unless you're really trying to build to something giant. And I Mm -hmm. do think that that's why going back to get Thrawn and Ahsoka and Ezra, all that's going to play a part in that. Sabine, because again, Sabine's going to play a part in that too, because she's a Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're building towards this giant Mandalorian live action thing. Yeah. I, just I mean, heck I'm t- wondering film. like
1: Sabine was on Lothal waiting for Ezra to come back when all of this was going down. Does she even know what happened to Mandalore? And like, was her know. family destroyed when that whole, you know, when exactly. the Empire yeah. came and bombed everything. So I think that is going to play a part in, in the Asoka yeah. series for sure. Yeah. But I still think, I think Mandalore is just a part of that. I think claiming, I think reclaiming Mandalore. I think that's Din Djarin's mission, and I think this is going to be the the focus of Mandalorian season three, and maybe even going forward. And I think that is going to play a role in whatever larger endgame they're building. But I think when Thrawn comes back, he's going to have bigger grand designs than just Mandalore.
0: But dude, do, but don't you wouldn't you assume though that his grand design. Is part of because because let's be real it seems like they're they're incorporating a lot of, it's not air of the empire but it's a lot of heavy influences of air of the empire and yeah. what was air of the empire it was the remnants of the empire that they were you know again which is a classic you know the early eu was all remnants of the empire but yeah i yeah. digress um but that's what they're building moff getting represents that so with so the last bit the first order doesn't have any of that in the in the empire it has a little bit and they went off to their own do their own thing so now we're dealing with strictly the Empire for the most part. Maybe some of the First Order early part, but you get what I'm saying. It's mainly what's left over from the Empire, which is still a, a decent part of armies. I think that's what represents like what the Mandalorians will all have to team up to destroy. And that's why I think it's going to be this big battle, because it's going to be the last remnants of the Empire, versus, which is going to be a lot, versus the new Mandalorians to reclaim Mandalore. Because I think Mandalore is going to be this hodgepodge of again, almost like the, like you remember in, in the early uh, canon, Jakku was like a point of uh, the Empire versus the Rebellion. Yeah. There was that that whole idea of like it was like a um, a a point of, of of whoever got that planet would win like the the um, the leverage of of you know what I'm saying? It was like some yeah.
1: weird thing. Yeah. Like, but here's the, I mean I guess because also Jakku is just you know a backwater like junkyard planet. Um, or at least became a junkyard planet after that battle and all the ships crashed there and stuff but i'm just thinking i know bo katan says like they need to reclaim mandalore from the empire but also if the empire has already bombed the crap out of mandalore it's like what purpose would that like what would be the empire's huh it's a symbol because they yeah but i still think and again i i think they will have to sort of reclaim that i think there's maybe still some imperial forces that are that are holding the planet but if it's a a Heap of slag that they've you know turned to rubble. I just think that, that you know, if Thrawn comes back, he's going to have grander designs than just one planet. I don't well, know,
2: there's I, just some like I don't know what the reason is, but there might maybe it's a strategic reason, but there's going to be something maybe where Thrawn has to have yeah. Mandalore. I, I not-
0: think if I may, I think the remnants of the empire that aren't with the first order are on Mandalore, and I think that's where their home base is going to be. That's why mm-hmm. he has a Darksaber. Uh, Gideon does and I think mm-hmm. Thrawn does have bigger plans outside of Mandalore but that's where they're all going to be hubbed at it's gonna all be a hub on Mandalore and because, well, I don't even
1: uh, think Thrawn's on Mandalore I think him and Ezra not. are way off somewhere else no, I no, mean he, he maybe has co- may- he maybe has come back since then but I I don't know I think I, I, just think, be, there's, I think their final be, end game is going to be bigger than just this but I can't wait to see what that is but obviously regardless mandalore is going to be a big part of it and a big a big part of Jaren's story going forward and i'm just i'm shocked by how much of that story we got here in this episode um yeah and then again you're finding out that tarvis or that that paz Vizla, who uh you know is like one of the only other survivors of that clan is a descendant of tar Vizla, and he's like i want my ancestors darksaber back and challenges Jaren for it and they have that duel. you knew it was gonna happen yeah. yeah, but yeah. still, I mean, well, I didn't think it was going to happen also, in the episode. I thought that might be a
2: plot thread for season three. Yeah. Going oh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, even the way he looks at him when he when he first yeah. shows up with it. Yeah, you you could kind of tell like that they were through route. a helmet.
0: I love <laughs> it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. But you're right though because this is how good the acting oh, yeah, all is. Of their, all of... of their
1: yeah, their body now, language, like you can tell exactly what's going on. Um, Take off the mask, Mandalorian improves that. Yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> I mean, first seeing him training with the armor and having that almost like uh, Files of the Darksaber type sequence where they're, you know, where she's training him on how to wield it and uh, talking about how you need to, you know, sort of not fight against the blade and, and all that. Um, and then seeing him duel with with Paz Vizsla. And, man, just, I mean, you know, I love those little Clone Wars touches when he's got the energy shield on his gauntlet that yeah, you see all the Mandalorians use like weird, in Season yeah. 5 of Clone Wars. But that was so cool. Um, and the fact that Mando beats him but doesn't beat him using the Darksaber, again, he's hes inexperienced in this. Um, I actually got so a little good. worried.
2: I, I probably shouldn't have, but I was like, oh man, is it going to end where he loses the Darksaber already? Like, it can't end. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. He's,
0: he's going to rule Mandalore, homie! You know exactly. he is! He's going to rule
1: Mandalore! But Come then, on! But and I, then
2: was, then I was, also I was cool. glad it wasn't going to be he loses it, and he gets it back, and then he has right. to, then he, but yeah. I'm glad yeah. he just he won the battle and it was his, so
1: yeah, yeah. And then, um, well, and heck, even the fact that at the end of it, she asks him, you know, have you ever removed your helmet? And he has to own up to the fact that that yeah. he did. Yeah. Um, and she says, you're not a Mandalorian anymore, but still allows him to keep the Darksaber. So... And, th- well... i'm sorry i'm sorry go ahead well i was just yeah and then also mentions the fact that like the only way that you can be sort of restored is like to essentially be like baptized in like the waters of these mines below mandalore or something and he's like but those have all been destroyed now obviously that's going to be another thing in season three that he's going to be on a quest to you know kind of go back and try to restore that or whatever dude Um, and and i but i i also thought it was really interesting that like you know with like in season two we see bogatan And, and her guys, and they've got their helmets off. And so, and she says that like, oh, you were raised in this cult of religious zealots that never take their helmets off. But like, this is not the only way, like you don't have to do that to be a Mandalorian, but then, then him going back there and finding out that like, no, like from their point of view bo is kind of the, the zealot and the pretender and the one that lost her way. And yeah, that's what man. lost Mandalore. And so they have to kind of stick to those traditions in that way to, to make themselves strong and to survive. Um, and so it seems like, at least for now, he's going back to that way of, of, you know, being part of that clan and not removing the helmet and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's very interesting kind of seeing those two different perspectives and, and reasons why these different groups would see each other as illegitimate.
2: Yeah, and Can we also talk about real quick how awesome the location they were on looked? Oh, I mean just going to go there. Ring, go there. <laughs> it looked awesome. And I know there's been a lot of talk about too much Tatooine and the Star Wars shows and all that, which I don't necessarily agree with because it serves the story that they're telling here, but yeah. it did feel good to see a different Location, a different side of the galaxy that we haven't seen in Star Wars before. That mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of it right now. Still only seen it once, just coming right off of scene. But it looked. I don't great. think they. Was, I don't think they named it. Did it they not? I, thought, so, I yeah. thought someone said it when he was talking to those aliens for his bounty that he got. But maybe I was wrong. But man, they, it just looked yeah, great. Know. It was such a cool location to have their hideout be, and just for a, a fight too, where <laughs> just open space surrounding it, it was just great.
0: Well, and I, I, I and I think that I'm with you, Tim. I don't agree with people saying like there's too much tattooing it was and it was nice to get a different location um other than tattooing for this this one part but I think this honestly showed me and reminded me how well that the, the Disney plus series can do different ser- different places yeah. and it, it gave me confidence that when we do get different places, they can get creative with you know with everything and it can look amazing and my my wife just kept commenting, about the location she, she i won't re- repeat what she said because it's it's kind of i don't know if it's always appropriate but she's like this gives me a she just kept saying it gives me a very weird very weird feeling to see there's no there's no flooring you know like it, it's this open yeah. space so when I, when I took out their jetpack she's like oh my god oh my god Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she got and I, and I was really again it looked amazing and it was really nice to see it And again it reminds me that Again, when this series wants, when these series want to go to different locations, it can look just like a legit Star Wars location, It's not just Tatooine. You know, so it was a great reminder of how well this can do. And to go back to like, the butcher scene, I didn't mind that at all. I thought I mean, there's going to be butcher places in Star Wars. I mean, they eat meat, right? So, I mean, yeah. I, I didn't
1: think it looked. No, it bad. was more just like the. It wasn't the fact that it was a butcher thing, but just like the look of the walls and the floors and stuff just looked like a, a real location. But um... I,
0: yeah, no, but, but it looks. It's weird because I, I, I agree. I agree with that, but it didn't it didn't bother me because it felt it still felt Star Wars, and maybe because they were aliens, but it it just felt it was a good balance, and I think that's the thing with Star Wars. It's so hard is that you could go completely one direction like dex's diner and it gets a little it's a little uh too on the nose maybe um and it doesn't really work as well but um but again i, I thought it, i thought it worked fine for what it was and it, it, it looks cool i thought it looked really cool for what it was to be honest and the whole space i thought everything looked great in this episode so um yeah i was i, I was fine with it i, I thought everything looked great i, I this i would it was nice to see a different location and i think it just only shows you that when when mandalorian season three comes we're gonna be getting a lot of different locations which i'm really excited about because yeah. i i it was nice to see something different but i love tatooine too it's one of my favorite planets ever so
2: yeah i'll never yeah. bat mouth tatooine but like you said it was good yeah.
1: for a nice change of pace on this episode and it's cool to just see like every season um what they can do more and more with that technology of the volume like i saw a tweet from one of the guys who's like one of the visual effects supervisors on the show and he was saying that, you know, what they were doing in this uh, this episode, you know, with this ring and everything was like stuff that they could only dream about doing with the volume back on season one. Um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was so cool. I mean, yeah, again, just the scale of it and seeing it go all the way back and around, but then seeing the under part of it with the space. And I mean, it was... It was just a really cool location and it was kind of refreshing i mean i'm also not one of those people that complains about like oh the lack of originality or whatever like oh it's relying too heavily on nostalgia when we go back to tatooine all the time especially for book of boba fett like he crawled out of the sarlacc pit on tatooine and then he's taking over Jabba's palace on tatooine so of course most of the show is going to take place on tatooine it's just where boba's story happens um, but it was kind of a refreshing change of pace to be on this completely new space station and get to see this new, new location. Um, but man, yeah. So to, to go through all that with the Mandalorians um, also, you know, you get the armor, like she melts down the spear and says like, Hey, this thing's dangerous. Cause it can pierce Beskar armor. And like Mandalorians, we only use Beskar to defend ourselves. Um, so Mando gives her the spear Which makes sense, because if they're letting him keep the Darksaber, he doesn't need two melee weapons. And she even says to him, like, the the Darksaber is a more noble weapon for you to wield. So she melts down the spear, and uh, he says he wants to make some armor for Grogu, and uh, that he's going to go visit him and give it to him. And we don't see what she makes, but except that we see some rings. And so I'm thinking maybe it's going to be some kind of, like, chainmail little shirt or something like that. Yeah um yeah, give, know, give, hoping- give grogu his give grogu his own little mithril shirt like uh frodo and lord of the rings yeah
2: i was hoping we were gonna get a grogu mandalorian helmet <laughs> yeah i was <laughs> too would love to see that.
0: um no yeah that give grogu a helmet please <laughs> by the way having him be called grogu multiple times like in this episode it was reassuring because my my daughter only calls Grogu Grogu. She did never has called will ever call him Baby Yoda, and and so like when she, it, it, I don't think they really call him Grogu that much besides that one episode. I want to yeah, say yeah, was always um, just a child. Yeah, yeah. So um so only that one episode where Ahsoka shows up, she calls him Grogu, and they said it twice. And my wife and I both were like, because we love because all my my daughter only says Grogu, you know. So and like when she goes to, um you know, there's a there's a story when my daughter last Christmas was in and the, then like a department store she came running up to always these, uh these baby yoda grogu shirts you know from like that are like displayed everywhere and she's just yelling grogu 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 and probably no one knows what the hell she's talking about <laughs> because one calls it grogu with my my daughter because this is a canon house only people and <laughs> uh, and like but it just gives me a satisfaction like yes let's keep calling him grogu please please. So I, yeah, that was really cool to, you know, see, you know, this is, yes, very well. This is beautiful. Grogu. I'm like, yes,
1: yes. yeah
0: <laughs> So it was great. But it
1: was, it was also really cool to see, you know, again, at the end of that sequence when she, um you know, she tells him you're no longer a Mandalorian and now he's going to have to find some way to kind of redeem himself or reclaim that. Um, you know, we talked about sort of his, his character growth in season two, Um, the couple of times that he removes his helmet out of absolute necessity. And then at the end, does it willingly just to be able to sort of share that intimate moment with Grogu before he goes off with Luke. And that was, you know, beautiful. And it's, it's showing, you know, sort of him having a heart and having more depth as a character beyond just his Mandalorian creed and, and things that he, you know, having his lines that he's willing to cross and stuff, but then showing also that that has repercussions. Um, And that he still wants to try to sort of adhere to that way and wants to still be a Mandalorian. And when the armorer takes that from him, um, you know, he's kind of paying a price for, for that choice that he made. So that's going to be something that I think is going to have really interesting repercussions in season three. And I'm, you know, it it adds a a wrinkle to his character arc that I wasn't expecting. And I'm really excited to see what they do with that moving forward. Yeah.
2: Like it's so much in just the first half of this episode (laughs) to as we've done already for a while, talk about, speculate about, and just be excited about for the future where Dinjaran's story is going to go in Mandalorian season three. Just all that yeah. <laughs> in just the first
1: one twenty minutes or so. Yeah, like and and this was another long episode. It was like fifty one minutes, and this was yeah, just about the first. It didn't half, feel like it. Still went by quick. <laughs> or so. Yeah, it did go by quick. Um, but, you know, you get the bounty hunting thing at the beginning, then you got all this Mandalorian stuff, and then he leaves on a transport ship and goes back to Tatooine. And you get this funny little sequence where, you know, he's boarding this, you know, passenger star cruiser and has to, like, empty out all his weapons. And first he tries the whole, like, I'm a Mandalorian, weapons are part of my religion, and the the droid makes him give up his weapons anyways. And so he's taken off his blaster and the dark saber and his darts and his, you know, wrist cable thing and, you know, his ammo and... Um, you know just has to unload all these different weapons that he carries with him um and travels back to Tatooine and goes and meets up with uh Peli Motto and Moss Eisley again um where first of all the the unmanly squeal that came out of my mouth when I saw a BD droid from (laughs) Jedi Fallen Order in live action again I will shamelessly own up to that I was so excited to see that when I realized what that thing was
2: Uh, it looked Um, great man
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of those things that, I mean, the design translated almost perfectly. And of course, Jedi Fallen Order is, you know, it's video game, so it's animated, but it's a lot more sort of styled after live action than like Clone Wars or something would. So like that design translated pretty much one to one. Um, And that thing just looks so good. And then, of course, you see it almost immediately. It looks like it's eaten by a womp rat, but then it ends up being fine later, and it's helping Din work on the ship and everything. So that was just another thing that I was not expecting whatsoever. That I absolutely loved about this episode.
2: Yeah, what? I mean, there's tons of different droid designs now, but I really think they hit a home run with the BD designs for Fallen yeah, Order. It's yeah. a great look, and to see it in live action, it was perfect. It was perfect.
1: Yeah, it was, it was perfect. perfect. Yeah, and I think for me, like I always like, I love BD one and Jedi Fallen Order. And he's already like one of my favorite droids in Star Wars. But then seeing how perfectly that design translated to live action and seeing him fit right in next to pit droids and astromech droids and still, you know, being all cute and stuff, I was like, man, that's like one of my favorite all time droids in Star Wars now. So that was just a treat.
0: Can I, and I, I want to kind of piggyback off a little bit of, of that too, Kyle, because I, I squealed too. I went, no way. It's a droid from Jedi Outcast. She goes, who's Jedi Outcast? I'm like, no, it's a game, Morgan, or uh, no, Jedi Outcast. <laughs> Oh, my God. Fallen Order. Just what's that? Or I'm like, it's a game. God, you know, <laughs> but a couple of things. Um, one, it reminded me that I can't wait when we get the eventual like behind the scenes, uh, you know, Disney Gallery or whatever the hell it is. Episode. Um, mm. I want to I really do hope they go out of their way and talk about. Why, who and how they're taking different aspects of the canon, like Black or uh
1: the bd droid um is it bd or b what is it a bd, BD. It, well yeah in in jedi fallen order it's BD1. Um, yeah. well, bd one yeah bd droid but
0: like all these different aspects they're incorporated into the show and and the pikes i think the pikes are another example even though they're already in in in, in solo i, I do want to see more of like what what has brought them into it because you have to you have to really be in in tune with not just one aspect of Star Wars to put the BD droid to put Black Sansan in. You have to be involved in the whole general canon. Which again, these are these are great things that only solidify why Star Wars has been so good for so long. Is that it transcends multiple mediums, and now that like Star Wars is more reoccurring, like we're, now that George is gone and sold to Disney, now it's you can encompass those things and have it be more connected. It, it, it's like, man, who's deciding this? Is it Dave Filoni? Is it a, who? There's got to be some something is driving that and having it, you know, give us more that, that fun things for us as fans. And I just want to know who that is so I can. Golf clap yeah. them. Because... I
1: I would guess that it's probably a bit more of a collaborative effort. I think Dave <laughs> Filoni is. I I think I think a big part of it is Dave Filoni because we know he's the biggest Star Wars nerd involved. Like you know, out of all these, guys. is there any comics though?
0: Um, is he playing? I mean, playing the game. Well, games.
1: and and that's what I'm saying. Is I think they're getting some input from the story group as well. Um, And you even saw, you know, I think with things like Rogue One and Solo, where you had a lot of Easter eggs and a lot more sort of connective tissue to different things than the sequel trilogy had, I think the story group and just like people at Lucasfilm had a lot more input in those projects, whereas the sequel trilogy, it was pretty much Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams calling the shots. Yeah. And um, that robot, yeah, that's a good point. So I th- I think that's kind of the, the same thing here. Again, I, I would give Dave Filoni a lot of credit for that, but also things like Kersantan and BD-1 Kersantin. and, you know, just some of those, some of those more obscure references and stuff that's maybe not just from Clone Wars and stuff that Dave has worked on. I mean, again, maybe he's still the driving force behind some of that, but I think it could just be more of sort of a, a Lucasfilm synergy thing and collaboration with the story be, group and stuff it, like that.
0: Black Kersantan is very specific. Like BD-Droid is a little bit more like, oh, you know, but like Black Kersantan so specific that to me is what I want in mean, but BD is kind of an example of that too. Um, but to not get too far off with that, I just look forward to hopefully, I hope they address that and I, I can like, and they can talk a little bit more about that in the Disney gallery episode. Um, the next part I would say with, with the BD droid, I thought was interesting was that he just shows up out of nowhere, right? Like all of a sudden like Pally Hauser has him or whatever, has it, whatever. And, and I,
1: I got a feeling, I'm like, is she going to give him this droid? I was hoping so, and I yeah, I would, know, I thought so I would love it if if that becomes almost sort of his replacement for Grogu that we still have like a little cute character that's going around so, with Mando. I
0: I'm, I think because is it got a little droid cockpit that you can that either Grogu or a little BD droid
1: can fit in. Yep, I because yep. he hasn't left yet. That would make me so happy.
0: <laughs> Guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a limb right now. I think the B droid's going with him because he oh, just shows up nowhere. I, 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 I almost out of just, th-
1: I mean, it makes sense that Pelly would just have another droid. I mean, we haven't seen her in a while, and she's already and, got her whole crew of pit droids, so it makes sense that she would just, you know, maybe she bought it off the job, was, maybe she droid. just kind of collected another, you know, spare or whatever. But
2: and they did I, make a point to have that bit of dialogue where didn't even ask about the droid port in the ship, like it's been gone. Mm. And then she was like, Oh, what do you care about droids? They're all that type of thing. Kind of, uh, drive to the point where maybe he will have a change of heart and bring a droid with us. So.
1: Maybe. I, well, I do think I absolutely, I absolutely. The fact that she hollowed that port out, but then left a little bubble cockpit over, yeah. it, I was like, Grogu's riding in there. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's a brogu- yeah <laughs> I, I, think, I think he's going to go find Grogu and he's going to like give him a ride in his ship before he, you know, leaves him with Luke and goes back to help Boba. Um, but yeah, if he takes the BD droid with him, I mean, okay. So we'll get to the ship. We'll get to the ship now. And <laughs> the, the overwhelming wave of Phantom Menace nostalgia that I didn't know I needed for this episode. But I'm like, gonna, you oh see, we see a Mandalorian <laughs> riding a modified Naboo starfighter with a BD One droid in his, his droid cockpit. I mean, that's just the show continues to deliver, just like ridiculous amounts of fan service that we just didn't know we needed and that are executed in just the best way where it doesn't just feel like you know gratuitous or over the top like it tells a good story but just has so much in there for star wars fans to love um but yeah man so when when Pelly's like oh yeah i told you i had a replacement for the razor crest and uh he goes in there and she you know pulls out you know this rusty junky old ship but it's a an n1 naboo starfighter that's just missing a bunch of parts and it's all falling apart and everything um and at first he's like no i don't want it you know give me my money back and she's like well at first let me you know she's kind of trying to sell him on it like a used car salesman <laughs> um and talking about how oh back in the day these were custom built for the Queen of naboo and this baby's so fast and sleek and blah 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 whatever and like we can get the parts and I know the Jawas and I dated a Jawa and we can get all the parts we need to fix it and blah, I don't blah, know blah. if we need that information but yeah I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know she's talking about how furry they are under the hoods or something I was like didn't need to picture that but I mean I guess she's just one of those fun weird quirky characters that I was like eh, it works it, you know. Um, she's one of the few characters that could pull off some of those lines um but yeah man then you see them them fixing up this ship and it was one of those things it felt kind of weird to me at first because mando was like no i don't want it like give me my money back and she's like then trying to sell them on it and then starts trying to fix it and i was like wait so are we really going to go through them like it felt like they spent a lot of time Fixing up the ship, and I, at first I was like, "Wait, Mando didn't even say he wanted it." So, like, where are they going with this? But then it was like, "Oh, okay, I guess we're doing this." They they fully fix it up, um, you know, buff out the paint, install all these new parts on it and stuff, and then um, it comes out looking still kind of, you know, like old and missing a few pieces and stuff. But you know, it's like when people restore like old classic cars and stuff; like, you can tell it's old, but it also looks, you know, sort of renewed and uh you know just, just ready for uh for mando to take it for a spin um and man when <laughs> just seeing mando take off in this this chrome retrofitted <laughs> n1 starfighter and just go zipping off over moss eisley through the dune sea through like the old pod race course through beggars oh, canyon <laughs> I was in disbelief. I kept just staring at my TV with my jaw hanging open just going no freaking way. I cannot believe this is what I'm watching right now. Um and just the I love I love pod racing. I love Naboo starfighters. Those are probably two of my favorite aspects of the Phantom Menace aside from like Darth Maul and Duel of the Fates and all that. Um and just Again, it was one of those things that you're like, I didn't know I needed this. Like, if you told me to to list things that we would see, especially in the book of Boba Fett, I if know. I had to make predictions for this show. Mando flying a, an old Naboo Starfighter through Beggar's Canyon on the Podraiser course would not have been anywhere. I could have listed 500 things and I wouldn't have gotten to that. And yet it was just... It made my inner eight-year-old happy. Like the the kid in me that loved Phantom Menace when it first came out. I was like, I cannot believe I'm watching this right now. And I I posted on Twitter after I watched the episode. I was like, my my Mandalorian loving Phantom Menace or prequels loving, Jedi Fallen Order loving, you know, Star Wars fan heart is just so happy right now. Um and then of course he takes it up into space and he's, you know, the the Rodian kid on the cruiser that he was, you know, sitting with, you know, on the on the journey over there sees him and Mando kind of nods at him. And then he gets stopped by the the new Republic officers, and we see uh Carson Tiva again, who, um you know it stopped him in the razor crest back in like season two and he's like hey wait you know your voice sounds familiar didn't you used to fly a razor crest and you know i just want to ask you some questions and mando hits like the the thruster that pelly uh installed in there to like vent the exhaust or whatever and just disappears on him you know it's almost like he goes to light speed and they're like no that wasn't even light speed that was just a sublight drive and they're like we're not bothering with that guy he's like do you want to go back to base and fill up papers all day saying that we lost this guy and his his co-pilot's like nope I don't want to do that sir um so man just a fun fun sequence and it was almost you know it was like a night and day difference between the first and second half of this episode it almost like if this was in Mando season three I feel like you could have split this up between two different episodes um one just focusing on the Darksaber and the Mandalorian history and culture and and sort of setting off on his new mission to sort of reclaim his Mandalorian identity and, you know, atone for his sins of taking his helmet off. Um and then the other one, you know, sort of this more fun, lighthearted episode of him being on Tatooine and getting a new ship and and just, you know basically going for his, his pod racing test drive. And then he comes back and Pelly goes, how was oh, it? And he goes, Wizard. I happened. laughed so hard. I was like, <laughs> Man. and this is the thing where, you know, we were talking about, oh, who do you think is responsible for, you know, Kursantin and, and the BD Jordan, all these different references. And first of all, massive kudos to Bryce Dallas Howard who directed this episode and just did a a phenomenal job directing, you know, the the action and the performances and and the visuals of it and everything. She did an excellent job, but also between the Mandalorian lore and the Phantom Menace references, I was like, this had Dave Filoni's fingerprints all over, you know, (laughs) that like giving Mando a Naboo starfighter, having him fly through that Canyon and then, you know, incorporating all that Mandalorian history, that stuff all probably came from Dave um but man just what a fun fun second half to this uh this episode and uh yeah it was that was awesome it was wizard that's what it was yep
2: <laughs> and just like you, you hit all the points of why it's so great but visually but even sound wise too hearing the engines of the naboo starfighter especially when he's doing a test flight over his beggar canyon it just sounded So great to hear that sound again that we know from the Phantom Menace and what that ship sounded Mm -hmm. like. It was just so cool on all levels. And another cool thing visually too is seeing it out in space and yeah, it wasn't fully painted yellow like the classic Naboo Starfighters, but just seeing the Naboo Starfighter underneath two X-wings, that was a trip to see too. Just these two classic Star Wars ship designs um, side by side together. It was just (laughs) really awesome. I mean, uh, for the Naboo Starfighter is such a great, unique design. It's just, mm. and it stands the test of time too. Now, being over 20 years uh, since the Phantom Menace came out, it's classic Star Wars so now. Weird. It just looks great, and just seeing it amongst the previous classic Star Wars ship design of the X Wing, I just love that. It was a quick moment, but I'm so glad they threw that into where we got to see an X Wing and an Naboo Starfighter uh, together that close in live action. It was just
0: a trip to see. I, I didn't know. Like like of Kelly, you said it best. You, you would never have expected the book of Boba Fett to have Mandalorian flying in, in a uh, starfighter in Big Canyon, and then at the very end going wizard. It's like <laughs> it, worked, it worked out. Like the thing, if you would have told me that, like on paper, that sounds like that sounds like it would not work in my opinion. It just would be like as far as like going through Big Canyon with a Naboo starfighter and then him saying wizard. I'm like that that'd be cheesy. It was like it just all worked because yep. obviously the wizard was an homage to the Phantom Menace, but just the way, yep. the way um, Pedro Pascal says it, he sells it, man. Like mm-hmm. I think he does, it. he sells it. He does a great job. And I, I gotta say that, you know, with the whole Naboo starfighter thing it was a little surprising because he's a bounty hunter, right? Like you're, you're kind of like, well, where's he going to put his bounties? Is he going to have yeah. like a,
1: like a, like a toe, a Tony thing <laughs> behind <it>, him? <laughs> you know, but I think uh, just bring everybody in cold and just put their heads up in that. I mean, club. yeah, that
0: was a great callback, too, by the way. The first episode, that was great. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. Just
1: starting off with the he's like, you know, let's let's discuss our options here. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold.
0: So with with all that, um, I got to tell you, I, I was really impressed with the fact that that they are, did a great job of setting up that, se- that season three. But having that ship, that Naboo Starfighter ship, they pretty, pretty much established that he's not going to be probably doing too much bounty hunting, I'm assuming, uh, in the series with that ship, if he does it at all in Season 3. It feels like Season 3 is more of an adventure for him, reclaiming his right, his own right to Mandalore or becoming a Mandalorian again with what, what the, the armorer kind of told him to. And maybe the adventures he gets on the way, maybe he has to make some money to for fuel or whatever he does a bounty here or there. But it feels like we're going to get more of an adventure for him getting to Mandalore with the Naboo Starfighter than him bounty hunting with the Naboo Starfighter. So I kind of came to terms of that really quick, but it was really cool looking the way it was all silver. Um, yeah, I just those are things I wasn't expecting and it, was, it worked really well. I, I do think it's great that Amy Sedaris, a very, you know, famous comedian. Uh, who gets gets on the you know the main of the Rain show and, the, and arguably and people always say it's the worst episode but she's reclaimed the she's reclaimed the role and she's mm-hmm. now i think people have accepted her as like a legit like character and yeah. as she deserves it she's great and i think she's a great character i i love her um i thought she you could tell even amy sedaris herself is more comfortable in the character because she just she plays just more smoothly i feel like yeah. the first episode a little bit rocky you could tell she's not comfortable completely but now she's like 100% knows that character and it just flows you can tell she just is it just kind of flows a lot better and I was laughing out loud way more than I ever was with her before Season two, I obviously, I obviously liked her a lot more but this now I'm like okay now I could see more of her in other other series without Mandalorian I, I would like her and I got a theory I got a crazy theory when she when she said the thing about the Jawas what if Jawas are actually Ewoks, but just their Jawas? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm not joking here. I'm not joking. What if? What if what, no, I'm being serious here. And I thought. Now I say this because when I was a kid, that's what I kind of thought. Is what if they're Ewoks, just like a little bit more like deformed because they're not on Endor? But what if they're like the same species? But like you know what I'm saying? Like I, I kind of thought that I'm like I
1: think that would be weird. I don't think we're ever gonna actually like see that. a Jawa without their hoods I, off. Like saying, I, my I my think head that head was just cannon, a man. a cheeky little head thing that she threw in there.
0: That's my headcanon, bro. I'm going with it. I'm going, it. I'm going here. <laughs> I mean why would <laughs> why would he
1: walk why would Ewoks on Endor be chilling with you know sticks and bows and spears, whereas on Tatooine they you know, they've got because sand if they, if they crawlers crash- and they're really good with machinery right. and stuff.
0: What if they crash landed on that planet? A lo- years and years and years and years and years and years and years ago and they, they crash landed on different planets on whatever species they were and they just like this they just what they landed on they didn't have any they had no technology so those people just descended from this what with you know the the inhabitants of that world which was all trees and that that's what they ended up doing for you know I mean, if Tatooine can be full of water at one point, Kyle, then you know what? Ewoks can devolve from Jawas and just be. <laughs> I mean, what's I here? I'm just, I'm just saying it's possible, and that if it can be full of water in Tatooine. Then Ewoks can be Jawas and be, you know, devolve. You know. Ne- next anyway, thing you'll
1: be t- next, next thing you'll be telling me they're force sensitive because they're Ewoks in Jedi robes. There could be. <laughs> That's that more logical. <laughs> <laughs> Never.
0: Whatever, guys. Um, I, I just, I just, yeah. So I just want to say that it was nice to get, uh, you know, Pally up here and 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 getting that. And yeah, it was, it was really weird to see all this together and how it all worked out. And again, Fennec Shan tying it all together. You know, I don't know if I agree. Do you think we're going to get Grogu next episode? Because I don't think we're going to get him. I don't think
2: he. See, this is going to sound bad to say, but I kind of hope not (laughs) because. i was I talking agree. about before was kind of taken away from boba's series if we bring Grogu and mm-hmm. back that being be the main focus then you're really down to one or maybe yeah. one and a half episodes left yeah ending boba's story and as much as i want to see grogu again and with luke that's that's something I that should wait
0: i in think he's three.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's personally i it's it's so hard to tell because you're right. Like on the one hand, I think with that setup, with him saying, "Hey, I'm gonna come join you guys," like Fennec offers to pay him to come help Boba out and be his muscle, he's like, "Tell Boba, it's on the house." But first, I gotta go visit a little friend. And for them to leave off on that tease, for us to not see Grogu in the next episode, I think would be a letdown.
0: Um, I yeah, I don't, I don't. And especially for us
1: to to, I mean, I, I think if anything, you know, you could have him. <sighs> Like, like, here's, here's how I I think they could do it. I think one scenario, we could have a whole nother episode of just Luke, like Mando and Grogu and Luke, and then the final episode just be him coming back with Boba. And I, I hope that doesn't happen. Because you're right, like, I don't want, you know, with the last two episodes of the Book of Boba, that I don't want to have only one more Boba episode left. Um, Yeah. It you could have cool. you could have Boba recruit some other muscle and have him fighting the pikes with, like, you know, Bosk Bos- and Dengar and stuff. And then Mando shows up, like, halfway through the episode or just for the last episode. That's kind of what i think thinking. I think, yeah. We never think, actually see yeah. him with Grogu. And then that's a story that they tell in Mandalorian. That's Great.
0: exactly what I think they're going to do. But which I, I, think is I,
1: I also think, because I, I really just don't think that they would set up that tease and then not pay it off I think a lot of people would be disappointed and I think it would be weird for them to be that over with it at the end of the episode it would be one thing for him to say like I have some business I have to take care of but for him to specifically say like I have have to pay a visit to a little friend like they know they're getting people's hopes up with that and then to like make us wait a whole nother year to actually see that I think would be a bit of a letdown so I like if money. I had to bet money, if if I had to bet money on it, I think we are gonna see Grogu at the beginning of the next episode. But I don't think it's gonna be like if anything, I think and I maybe hope that it's only like half of the episode, if that. I I hope it's another long one. I hope it's like close to an hour, you know, maybe fifty something minutes, and maybe the first 15, 20 minutes is him with. Grogu and just visiting him checking in on him maybe even shorter than that but you know i want it to be substantial i don't want it to be a quick little like two minute scene but i also want there to be plenty of time for boba and bounty hunters and pikes and all that stuff um i i i think
0: it's i think it's a it's a misdirect i think it's legit and i think people might be pissed but here's what's going to happen why I think it's a misdirect, because I do think other reveals are going to happen. I think we're going to get bossed next episode. We're going we're to get so many different things that the, the, the main Star Wars fans who are going to be complaining online, who would complain online, aren't going to be complaining. So they're going to be too much r- raving about such and such a character or whatever, in my opinion. That's what I, that's what yeah. I think is going to end up happening. They're going to set it up for people to be like, oh, God, here comes the buzz. Everyone talks about it. doesn't really happen, but then people are going to talk about, we saw Boss, we saw Dengar, we saw Cad Bane. I mean, oh. I hope we get Cad Bane. There's been so much talk about this that I feel it's going to happen, but I mean, we'll see. But I, I, I gotta see, I gotta see Cad Bane. I, I you want to see Cad Bane, but I feel like yeah, that's almost like if we're going to get a second season of a Book of Boba Fett, which maybe we aren't, maybe we are. If we are, save him for season two. Just save him for season two. Let's we'll just, let's we'll just wait for that. And then maybe between season 1 and season 2 we can get the clone wars episodes and they like, sprinkle that in for a little special for you know mm-hmm. kind of wetter appetite. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just uh my idea. No oh, idea. See? But Yeah, I'm, just I'm a story guy. <laughs>
2: and again, <laughs> I think for me anyway, the whole thing with Din Jarn saying that at the end, I think is to kind of tell the audience, okay, you're not going to see him either in the rest of the series or you're not going to see him again so the finale or the final battle because that's how i'm taking yeah. it's going to lead to what you were saying paul where he has to go see grogu but they already had him in a full episode of a series about boba fett so they want to use him he said he is going to help so i imagine he's going to be uh honor that and be a man of his word and show up when they need him which will be I, i'm assuming in the finale so i really think it'll just be too much to have two episodes de- dedicated to dinjarin when, in the Book of Boba Fett, when it's only seven episodes. And for some, as monumental as Din being reunited with Grogu, I think that has to happen in his own series, The Mandalorian, not in the spinoff show, <laughs> The Book of Boba Fett, where he's not the main character. It just feels too all over the place for me. And I'm sure it's going to be great, but again, this, when you just only have seven episodes to work with, and two of them are not even about your main character, that's just too much. Again, I, I think even with this one's kind of stretching it a bit, so I can't see them doing that for the next one
1: yeah 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 i don't know we'll see i mean i feel like for one thing if anything i mean this episode definitely solidified for me that again with this larger overarching story that they're telling here in this time period like din jaren is the main character um yeah as far as like the focus of the story and also like even just audience interest i mean i know for me and a lot of other people it's like like I've, for me personally, I know you guys are probably bigger Boba Fett fans than I am, but like I've been enjoying the Book of Boba Fett, and I'm invested in his character, and I I want to see a lot of Boba in these last two episodes, and I want to see where this story goes. But, you know, after four episodes of Boba Fett, seeing Din again with the the dark saber and all this Mandalorian history, and seeing him get a new ship and everything, I I already found myself like even more invested in Din Jaren than I've been in Boba Fett so far. And so I'm like, I'm excited to see what happens with the rest of Boba Fett's story, but I'm even more excited to get to, like, Mandalorian Season 3 now. Um, And again, you know, if they do show him with Grogu in the next episode, again, like, it's all part of this interconnected story that they're telling. And on the one hand, I agree with you that, like, something, you know, if it's, like, a big sort of monumental moment of them being reunited, um, that maybe they should save that for the Mandalorian, but also... I don't know. Maybe he's going to go visit him multiple times, and we'll see that in the Mandalorian too. And like, it hasn't been that long since yeah. they left. You know, it's not like he's only going to get to see him one more time. And so this, it could be just like a, a quick few minutes at the beginning of the next episode where he's just kind of checking in on him real quick. And it might, it probably won't be the last time that we see Grogu. So,
2: and if this, you just said that, or made me think of it. I'll probably be in the minority of this type of thinking, but I was actually kind of hoping there'd be a pretty big gap for when. Den sees Grogu again. Um, because I don't know, I think it'd just be even that more impactful where it's been a few years and Grogu's grown, grown up a little bit and Din sees him for the first time and he is older and not uh, the baby Yoda <laughs> that we all knew him of for those first two seasons and just how he would react to that and maybe how that would affect him moving forward, seeing how Grogu is older and he could probably talk. <laughs> so I don't know, I wouldn't say I'll be disappointed that he sees him. This soon again, but it would be some that I thought maybe from a thematic standpoint, maybe would have been a little more impactful or work better if there was a bigger time gap for when he does see Grogu again.
1: Yeah, well, something else that I think will be interesting to see that I think will kind of give us a clue to what future seasons of the Mandalorian might be like is what they do with Luke um yeah. if anything like like in the next episode if we if if we do see the next episode start off with din going to visit grogu and we see luke with him is it going to be cgi again will they have just cast an actor to sort of play luke full-time in these series now and i think that'll kind of give us an an idea of what we can expect as far as what luke's involvement might be in the show going forward because for one thing like i mentioned seeing the armor train din jaren with the dark um kind of gave me uh you know vibes of like um the trials of the dark saber from rebels and i'm like who else does he know that could teach him how to wield the lightsaber properly we might see din spend more time with luke and maybe have luke teach him how to use the dark saber and how freaking awesome oh, that would yeah. be oh, um and that could be something that we you know see a lot more of in mandalorian season 3 but again you know uh, however they utilize luke in this next episode i think will maybe give us a clue to like how frequently are we going to keep seeing him and how maybe involved is he going to be in this sto- this interconnecting story with ahsoka yeah. and Thrawn and and all this other stuff um he could end up being a sort of more of a major player in that um so i i i'm really interested to see uh you know if we get anything that that kind of hints at that as well
2: yeah i mean all that sounds just <laughs> really cool to see and i'm wondering too or are- maybe Mandalorian season three, this is maybe something that you were kind of hinting at a little bit, Paul, where what if season three takes a little bit from the page of the book of Boba Fett, where there are some flashbacks in Mando season three, where Din is away looking for Grogu. Like let's say the scenario plans out where he stays there for a while with Luke trains um, for a little bit. And maybe there is a, I doubt it, but maybe let's just say there is a kind of a substantial time gap from this point in the book of Boba Fett to where they actually have that war with the Pikes, where there maybe could be some time, um, to where Din spends a good amount of time with Luke. And in the Mandalorian season three, it takes place in present time, and there are moments where he has these flashbacks where we do see him spending time with Grogu and maybe training with Luke. Maybe that'll be where Grogu fits in uh, his place in the Mandalorian season three, or maybe not with him like he was in the present time in season one and two, but we do see Grogu as a main character in season three, but just in flashback sequences. Um, I don't know, just when you said that was him training with Luke, cause that sounds like such a cool possibility, but it would be mm-hmm. something that would need to take some time and maybe the whole course of season three can't deal with that. But if they do it like with the book of Boba Fett, where we saw him spend a lot of time with the Tuskens, that could be the way Mando season three does it. I don't know. Just so much stuff that this episode gave us to
1: think about that's for sure (laughs) yeah yeah definitely well i can't wait to see where it goes next um you know like we were just talking about tons of possibilities ranging from grogu and luke to bosk and cad bane and you know i as much as this episode now has got me just really hyped for mandalorian season three and getting to see more of din jaren and grogu and, and all that i also am excited to get back to boba fett and see what's going down on tatooine and see the pikes and boba's rancor and all that kind of Please. stuff so um you know we've just got two episodes left uh of course here we, we went ahead and went over three hours again for the first time in a while but you know we, we How was only right. half the episode what
0: i was only here for half the episode
1: I don't know, uh, at a this, thing, at at this point, car? I think you were here for like two thirds of the episode.
0: <laughs> I'll take that. i I was um, able to show up, though. I'm glad.
1: Yeah. No. And obviously, there's yeah. You know, that's what happens when we wait for you know three or four weeks or however long it's been since our last one, and then have all these episodes to talk about, and then they drop one on us like we had today. Um, I feel like we spent the last you know last half of the episode just talking about today's episode, but um, rightfully so. Sure. Yes. It yeah. It. Yeah. No. Definitely. And like I said, I almost wish I wish that we had recorded sooner, almost so we could just do this as its own episode because this felt like, again, this really was like a season three premiere of uh, a new season of The Mandalorian, and so it's like this is the type of episode that we would have done its own, you know, review episode for. um But I'm excited to see where they go next. There's only two more episodes of Book of Boba Fett, so I think we'll just, you know, we'll come back and recap the last two once it's all said and done. And uh, can't wait to see what kind of awesome stuff is in store for us in these next two weeks. Um, But before we go ahead and wrap up and head out, uh, Tim, I know we got some responses from our listeners on social media about what they thought of Book of Boba Fett so far. So you want to go ahead and read those for us?
2: Yeah, we got a couple of responses on Twitter. First from Star Wars Junkie, who says, "Um, Went into the series, not that excited, but it's Star Wars, so I'll watch it but it sucks you in. I love it all. The fact that the Sarlacc, the Huts, Sarlacc again, Pikes, Cristantan, now Mando. My old criticism is that my only criticism is that there will only be 7 episodes. And then Derek BB on Twitter says, "I'm enjoying the show, but it's not as gripping as Mando was." The disconnect between hard case a moral bounty hunter Boba and the character we're getting is frustrating. And I know that has been a frustrating aspect for some fans, but as we talked about, as we've already seen in these episodes, I'm totally thinking, I am getting into this, why Bo is doing what he's doing and why he is such a changed character from when uh, his reputation was in the original trilogy to what we're getting in now. And I think that will be even more of a payoff once we get uh, to the finale, how the series is about Boba being a changed character. So um, hopefully, Derek, that frustration uh, will be a little better by the time the series is over. But um, yeah, it's glad to see from these responses that uh, Derek and Star Wars Junkie are enjoying Book of Boba Fett for the most part.
1: Yeah. And I know a lot of people are mostly like, you know, there's been some criticisms um, of certain things up to this point. Um, But like we talked about, I feel like this show is kind of a slow burn and I think all this is going to, you know, sort of have a good buildup and payoff. And and once we look back over these full seven episodes, you'll kind of see that there was a purpose for everything. Um, But it's also been nice to see just the, the emphatic, enthusiasm and praise for today's episode. Um, and everybody loving seeing, uh, seeing the Mandalorian again. So it'll be fun when we finally get to see him team up with Boba Fett and see how this story wraps up. Um, but thank you guys for chiming in with your thoughts. Um, and as always, if you guys want to reach out and connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at star Wars TSC. You can uh, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash star Wars. The saga continues. Uh, you can check out our website at star Wars TSC.com and you can send us email at tsc at gmail.com. Um, and we can you know read your emails and your responses and stuff like that here on the show. Um, but that's going to do it for now with our three-hour review of the Book of Boba Fett up to this point. Hope you guys are all enjoying it as much as we are. Um, thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. And may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody.
0: Gatsby Rebels.